Ghostly talk. Broadcasting from the world famous haunted winery here in Warren, Michigan. That would be a Warren, Michigan under snow advisories yeah, or something. Covered in snow. This is Ghostly Talk on November 16th, 2008. Ghostly Talk is independently produced every Sunday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time to converse about all things paranormal. For more info, go to www.ghostlytalk.com. How many W's did I say there? Tonight, our friend John Chiquetti is back to report on some of his latest work. Glenn Kimball returns to Ghostly Talk. Oh, that's be great. Oh, I know. And later, the legendary Dr. Robert Schock is back to tell us all about... Woo! Are you ready? The Parapsychology Revolution! degrees yesterday. Yeah. 50s and upper 50s and stuff uh, almost the whole week before that. Well, where I was at, it was raining nonstop. Cold, icky, UK-like rain. Oh, <laughs> oh no. And it sucked. But, uh, yeah, on the way back today, I got hit with a couple of, on a, a couple of blizzards heading down the freeway. I had one so. on the way to the uh, haunted war- haunted winery. Yeah, that was the first thing you said. You're like, I drove here in a blizzard. I'm <laughs> like, okay, well, <laughs> it was insane. No, yeah, uh, yeah, we're it's finally here. Uh, we got a break here, and October was fairly warm yeah. here in Michigan, and um, now we're dealing. We're this paying is, for it now. This is more like what I remember when I was a kid. You know, only it would be even later in the year than <laughs> when I was a kid. It was always in December. Is when it would start snowing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, but, we're we're paying for it now. But now, yeah, welcome to mid-November. We got a pretty really. Do you ever have one of those days where you just feel like you're rushing on everything? Everything you do is in a rush. You have anxiety about everything. You're just trying to get stuff done, and you don't feel like you you're 
I, I forgot something. So I'm, I'm bound to have forgot something for the show tonight. So I'm waiting for it to just come <laughs> crashing down. Uh, it's going to happen sooner yeah. or later. But uh, no, uh, good show planned tonight. Looking forward to this. John Chiquetti's joining us. Uh, is Very exciting. Really cool friend of the show we met last year. Um, and he's going to be giving us an update on Ohio Wesleyan University and all the wild things that are going on there. Uh, Glenn Kimball is going to be back joining us tonight. He hasn't been here in a couple of years. And we are really excited to have I know. him back. We're going to be talking uh, about some pretty wild stuff tonight. And I can't... I can't Express how excited I am about uh, Dr. Robert Schock joining us again. We had him on the show back in, what, 2005, I think? It was a long time ago. Right. And uh, he blew us away. And I think you're going to – it's going to be – we're going to be talking – because when he was on last time, if you guys remember having uh, Dr. Schock – when we had Dr. Schock on, we talked about his theory on well, he, uh, the he, Great Sphinx. He is a luminary, I think. Uh, you know, not – and and this is surprising. I mean, his his book now, the, this one coming up. I can't wait to talk to. It's about. it's a real in depth thought process about on parapsychology. And well, the paranormal in general. The paranormal in general, and and it's it's a different approach. I mean, because he's. This is fascinating. It, he must have taken a turn or something because no, he, no, he he studies all these wild things. Well, of I mean, course you, he does, but he was a what an not environmentalist. What what was it? A, well, he's a master geologist. A geologist, a he's, master. He's geologist. a master geologist, but I think you know he dabbles in everything, and I think you know he comes at it from. From other people we've had on the show in the past, he comes right. at it from an interested, you know, hey, look, I'm interested in this stuff, but I have questions. Right. Um, and I think in this climate we have right now with, the, with, with, with ghost hunting and the paranormal in general, I think we have a lot more people that are out that just, you know, well, they want to have something for their, for their pilots. So, <laughs> you know, we have a lot of people out there that are really leaning towards the believing side, which, hey, I'm cool with that, too. But yeah. uh, we need more analytical people here. And I think Dr. Shock's going to really give us some cool insight into that. One thing I wanted to hit up on today, and this is this kind of this kind of ties right in too. If uh, you guys are up, I this was I, like, this was like a weekend of news for me. I listened to the news nonstop this weekend. Didn't I do that last weekend? <laughs> I came up with like three different things to talk about. Yeah, uh, you yeah. Know, and, and you're gonna have to pardon me because I'm still coughing off a cold. Last, it, if I'm not puking my guts out one weekend, I'm snorting and and hacking up the things out of my lungs the next weekend. Funny that you should say that about a cold. Yeah. Um, speaking people, of which, people may be wondering. Where's my favorite Ghostly Talk host? Um, well, he's right here. His name's Scott, <laughs> and he's doing the show. Well, I, of course, am talking about Bonnie. And, yeah. yes, Bonnie is uh, She's sick Ill. like I am. Yeah, I'm starting is. to feel better, finally. Um, if, I w if it was a couple days ago, I'd have been like, you guys are running this thing on your own. I can't do this, but... Uh, I'm feeling better enough to do the show, but like last weekend I had no voice because of MFPS. Did you, did you, right. We get oh, that. We I was remember, my guts out. And we remember Amber's voice last weekend. Yeah. Oh, she was shot. She is was she finished. better now? Like it, you know, is she's got her voice back. Good. She's good. got her voice back. She's back to the smooth, rich tone that she normally has. Excellent. So yeah, uh, we're all taking a beating here. The weather's killing us. So, but we're here. We're we're doing this thing. Um, one thing I want to hit on here real quick, and I, if you've been w listening to the news this week. Uh, was the anniversary, as a matter of fact, let's see here, uh, it was the 30th anniversary of okay. the Jim Jones incident. Yeah. You know, in Jonestown and all that stuff. I remember when that happened. Yeah. I, was, I would have been, what, 11? Yeah, 1978. November yeah. 18th, 1978 is the day it yeah. happened. And uh, for some reason, it was like the weekend of news for Scott. And I got to listen to a bunch of interviews with people who were involved with this and things like that. And regardless of the situation itself, which was horrific, we all know that it was terrible, uh, I found it really, really interesting just to hear these people talk about their experiences. And it made me think, and I'm going to get a lot of crap for this. I know I'm going to get a lot of crap for this. because I, I love it when this happens. Um, this gentleman, Jim Jones. Now, I, by no means am I an expert on him. 
I, I you know I've I've read some stuff. I've seen some stuff on TV. I've listened to a lot of radio on it this weekend. Uh, but he was a man that, you know, obviously was able to convince 1,500 people mm-hmm. <laughs> that it was time to die. Mm-hmm. That was part of the story. I mean, there was a lot leading up to that. I mean, he w- he created this whole thing where, I mean, they would believe everything he said, no matter how ridiculous it was. And there were people that were trying. They were like, no. And there's tapes out there, actually. I don't know if you've ever heard the tapes of this, the recordings. That some people, I don't know how they got out. I think some people that survived it had these recordings of people coming, you know, dying. And as Jim Jones is saying, look, it's okay, everything's gonna be fine, it's cool, dudes, chill out, right? And it's really eerie. I've heard these before myself. As a matter of fact, I some sick band I listened to actually put it on the end of their CD. <laughs> Long wow. story short, but um, what it made me think a little bit though about about the climate, like I just mentioned a few minutes ago in regards to Dr. Shock and the climate that's out there right now. And we're kind of getting into the winter months, so I think we're going to, you know, well, here in Michigan at least, so. I don't know. See, now I'm thinking about the, I don't know where you're going with this, but I'm th- I'm seeing more of a climate change right now. Well, the weather, of course. <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> but what I mean. I'm not talking about a climate. I'm talking about in in ghost hunting. What, in, are, you, what are you seeing? What are you, I mean, because, I mean. I'm seeing I, people standing up and, and saying, hey, wait a minute. You know, this is not right. And there are a lot of people Finally. doing that. There are yeah. there are people out and there doing that. And some people are doing it incorrectly. Yeah. And if you are, you know who you are because yeah. I don't talk to you. But and Tip of the hat to you regardless. You know, <laughs> hey, thanks for saying some something. Some people are doing it correctly. And yeah. uh, for example, one of the biggest things that's come out is is a huge analysis of um of the the Ghost Hunters October thirty first, the Halloween that came, show. Yeah, you know, and huge analysis of that. And I, yeah, that's something that we've seen and we heard about, and we and we we checked it out and I what found I, it interesting. Yeah, I find it interesting, and and I'm glad people are are you know opening their eyes and and not just blindly saying yeah, oh, it's a ghost, you know. But I I think that in the case of of any television show or yeah. any you know live kind of event, yeah. Um, there, there are things that you know that are beyond you know their control. I, oh, of course, <laughs> beyond the the, the control. To be fair time. about it, yeah. I mean, so I think you have to weigh the um, you know, when when you're making blatant accusations, I think you have to weigh, uh, you know, okay, well, some of it, you know, needs to be for exp- you know, the for the show. I mean, it, it is a TV show and entertainment show. Well, it's entertainment. But um it's but at the same time, you have to weigh that along the lines with they really are in hopefully a valid haunted place and and yeah, yeah. hopefully having the time <clears throat> of their lives and uh-huh. then sharing it with the world. Yeah. Are they going to ma- make mistakes probably? Are they going to enjoy themselves? I hope so. Mm-hmm. Um are they going to catch a ghost on film? My goodness, I really do hope so. We've been hoping for that for years. So I mean, who knows? But I'm I you know I just think that uh, you have to weigh the circumstances in that particular case. Now if yeah. you're if you're uh, investigate you you go on an investigation with some you know some other folks and it's not yeah. you know produced live or whatever for a for for mass consumption and yeah. you're you're really going after hard hitting evidence mm-hmm. and you know um, stuff happens <laughs> then of course you're yeah, you're you're right to scream, but I yeah. think I think that you should definitely keep a keep a healthy skepticism. Well, on bo- just keep yourself like we've been saying for years here. You know, be be an open minded skeptic. Right. <clears throat> I think that's really what it's all about. You know, in regards to Jim Jones, though, 
Yeah. Um, this is something that, it just got me thinking a little bit as I was driving out to driving uh, on Friday night. Go ahead. Do you remember what? Because Jim Jones and was it in Guyana? Yeah, Guyana, like Jonestown, yeah. Guyana. Okay, uh, if the people see temple. now, I haven't seen any of this news, so well, I'm going people. on memory, which is you know yeah. old, leaky, and weak. But it, um, it it seems to me that right around that time, it was probably just just after and just before that yeah. time frame. And and yeah, I was I was not even a teenager, right? Yeah. And then I became a teenager a couple of years after J- Jonestown. Yeah. But what what I'm thinking is, it seems to me that everybody was looking for something. Uh, you know, I mean the. The 60s Doesn't that happened. sound familiar? Doug? Yeah, the the 60s had happened, and and of course nobody found what they nobody found yeah. Madonna or whatever. So now they're looking at things, and and I remember looking at the uh, you know the op-ed pieces in uh, in newspapers. Yeah. as a voracious newspaper reader, and everybody was talking about. Or there were many 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 examples about how people will worship anything, and I think there was even like a a threes company devoted to it. Where they were worshiping, not they weren't like Jack yeah, and the other yeah. two. The two girls weren't. They weren't doing it, but other people were worshiping like a, not a coconut, a pineapple, or something like that. Yeah. I mean, they were like that became their 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 you know thing their their idol to worship, which which was just insane, you know, on the outside. But on the inside, that's pretty much what was going on. Well, yeah, know, that's what got me world. thinking about people this were stuff. worshiping heads of lettuce and you know stuff yeah. like that. The Moonies were just you know destroying <laughs> the airports and and um, it was. <laughs> I that's what I remember from my yeah, from my yeah. you know. Uh, early tens and, and early teens uh-huh. was that people were really, really reaching, stretching, and and hoping to find yeah. some kind of you know guidance. And it got me thinking about this stuff when I was listening to these interviews about the Jim Jones people and all this stuff over the weekend. Um, I got to thinking about the paranormal, right, and the community and at large and all these things. Now, by no means is this even remotely as dramatic as something that happened in Jonestown. Okay, it's a thought process. It's an ideology. All right. Mm-hmm. But there are, I think, some of these traits where people are willing to believe anything. They want something to believe in. And, and when they come across something about, you know, consider like the paranormal. Right. Well, here's something. Here's a movement. Here's something we can get into. Um, and that's really great. I think it's awesome. We stand up for that. We do a show on it. <laughs> you know, that's so we we're here doing this every week. But don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you see, right? right? And I'm, it's and it seems like especially now, and it's frustrating. And I know you people out there. I feel for all of you. It's very frustrating because it's very hard for me whenever I see something in my inbox, a video, a picture, an EVP thing, right, um, or whatever it may be. It's very hard for me, especially in today's climate of all the stuff that's going on, all of the scandal, and all these things that are happening, to believe what somebody's saying you know nothing against anybody but we get stuff all the time and it's hard it's really hard because i'm because for me it's it's about okay i'm going to question this as much as possible i'm going to try my best and see what i can i know we've had people probably in the past i know for a fact we've had people you know on the show here in the past that have come out now it could be complete fakes Mm -hmm. they were completely faking the whole thing and that really hurts us that we gave this person our time you know more or less our money because we pay for this thing out of our pocket, right? Um, to come on the show and speak their side or speak their case. And we find out down the road that they're complete hacks. They were completely lying about everything they were talking about. And they stood here or sat here on the phone with us or whatever and lied to us through their teeth. And that really, really hurts, which makes me more paranoid about who we have on the show now and all these things. Uh, but when it comes to something like this whole Jim Jones ideology, 
right? Where we'll believe anything you say. We'll die for you, right? Of course, I hope it never comes to that point with the paranormal. <laughs> I hope it never does. Well, I mean, but, but Jesus Christ, just think for a little while. People. There's more modern examples of, of you know, cults. And, I mean, there was the one in uh, Texas. I can't even think of it. Uh, Waco, Texas. There was uh, Heppel White or whatever with his... What was that? A flying saucer in Haley's Comet's tail or something? And oh, they the, all yeah, killed the Heaven's Gate, the Heaven's, Heaven's Gate, Gate people. Yeah. So I mean, there, there's the there's more modern examples. I mean, Jim Jones isn't the only cult. No, there's a there's a bunch of them. There's a bunch know. of them, and I and I, you can't take away from Jim Jones 100 percent either. I heard a comedian say this years ago, and I think I may have repeated it on this show before. I I don't even remember. I wish I could cite the guy. I really wish I could, uh, but it wasn't from my mouth. I'll make that clear. Uh, I heard this comedian talking about cult leaders, and he said, you know, they're like, you know, you people bag on these cult leaders and call them crazy and all this stuff. Hey, look, that guy convinced 100 people that he was God. What have you done this week? Right. So they got something going for them. Well, right? they're they're preying on people. P R E Y. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't want to see I don't want to see that happen to people in the paranormal either. Right. I've seen it happen already. I have too. And it hurts. It really is bad to see good people who want to learn something or who want to get into a hobby, something productive for a change, besides going to the bar and getting drunk on the weekends and actually going out and doing something with themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get tied up in all this crap. We've been tied up in all this crap for years. <laughs> right. We got to deal with it. We do a radio show. We have to deal with the politics if we want to keep doing our show. We love right. to do our show. Right. Um, it just got me thinking about all these things when I heard about Jim Jones. Always going to be. The, I mean, look at look at. In, <laughs> I was thinking about it. The absolute extreme case of this. The one hundred percent absolute extreme case of this. Yeah. Is actually the Disney movie. Um, with who's the little robot that is just absolutely disgusting? He's not John, uh, uh, Johnny Five. He's some other guy. E something. Ebert. E. Ebert. Um, How old is it? it? It just came out on DVD, and it. Oh, was that stupid thing with a binocular looking e, guy. E, it, yeah, the one that's not Johnny Five, <laughs> although he looks exactly like Johnny Five. I know who you're talking about. It's a total rip off of that guy from, it, from and, Short Circuit. Yeah, yeah, and um, and oh, what, I, I, what was e it? something? You guys know who we're I talking something. about out there. Anyway, there's this little robot, and he's got to clean up the earth. Well, well, meanwhile, and and if you haven't seen the movie, you know, turn the volume down for about a minute. Um, meanwhile, all the people who were on Earth are up in space somewhere or something, and they're yeah. floating around on these things, and they're all fat, lazy, and they cannot even move because their their muscles have atrophied. But the, what they can do is they can authorize purchases. <laughs> that they can do. Well, that sounds and like an actually interesting film. So all it is... I totally shot it off. It's like, he looks like Johnny Five. I know. No, all it is. I mean, the the all it is is they projected in the future that they're just going to take all the humans. They're going to put them around. You know, put them. They're going to take all their freedoms away. The only thing they'll have the freedom to do is purchase stuff that's offered to them. Yeah. And it's just absolutely incredible. And and of wow. course, so what'll happen? Is check on, this out now. On all the TV screens, on you know, in this. I don't know if it's on a planet or if it's yeah. in a in a spaceship. I didn't pay that much attention to it, but. All they can do is, or all they can see is all these screens, and they're always pushing product at them, product, product, product. So then, like, when green sunglasses go out of fashion, which is, like, you know, scheduled for 3.15 p.m., uh-huh. yellow ones are coming in. So immediately, mm-hmm. at, at 3.15, everybody's throwing away their green sunglasses and authorizing the purchases of yellow yeah. ones or yeah. whatever. You know, I mean, because that they've become in fashion, and, and they have, like, all this media advertise you know it's essentially you know the the brainwashing of the human race and it just totally amazing and and pretty deep but yeah well, you can't take it to that extreme unless you're disney well the thing is though is what you're talking about 
It's very it Ebert. It's er. I don't know. It's eerily familiar of what's going on. You know, fat, lazy people doing nothing but buying stuff. Um, really, that's what we're. <laughs> that's where we're heading. Oh my gosh, it was so prophetic. <laughs> I, I don't really know how to argue you. that. You know, <laughs> but I, it is. It's the brainwashing of 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 the of the entire population of the of buy the more Earth. stuff. We don't give a crap how you do it. Buy more stuff. <laughs> you want credit? We'll give you credit. We don't give a damn, right? And look where we're at right now. I mean, I don't want to turn this into a political discussion, but well, we got time. But yeah, <laughs> but. but uh, Look where we're at right now. Look at this country. Look where we're at right now. And it, you know, but people, we, we, first of all, right here where we're at, we are Doug and I, Doug, us right. too. We are, couldn't be in any more in the middle of the whole auto industry issue <laughs> bailout thing than you could ever be. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's funny, Doug. I know it's absolutely true. We couldn't every be single, any more in the middle of this. We, every this is what we do morning, for a living. Every single morning, I, I pop up, uh, you know, the financial news on, on online, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I read who it's it's almost as if there's two columns, you know. Everybody, these people on this side want to help the auto industry bail out. These people on this side, and that's a growing column, want to not help oh, them bail out. Oh, it's growing, too. And I'm like, oh, my, you know, two Republican senators, for example, this weekend decided nope, they didn't want to help. Right. So so I add those two names to the list. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible how, mm-hmm. you know, how, how everyone's fighting about it. And that's, that's like intense politics and finance. $25 and billion dollars we're talking about the bailout, General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler. Right. Um. Pretty much our bread and butter here. I mean, if you think about here in the, I mean, we're the Motor City. I mean, yep. we're minutes away from Detroit right here. We're right in the middle of it. We work in this industry also. Pretty much any job you have out there, it's going to have some foot in the auto industry. I don't care if you work at the donut shop down the street. That a lot of their business comes from people that want to come there are going to work, and from work. Yeah, I mean that's that's where the money's job. coming from. So yeah. you can't get away from it here. So if those people all up and move, yeah. Where's your donut shop then? Now, why are we in this trouble? Why are we in this trouble? Short-sightedness, which I've been complaining about for years. Oh, 100%. People not thinking about as far ahead of themselves as the length of their nose on their face. Well, the thing is, is there's all these things. And, you know, one of my, one of the things that I love to study is is free energy or whatever, which, of course, is impossible, but. People have claimed to do, be able to do this, and and uh, and and all the cover-ups and the scientists, and you know, very Tesla-ish kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and Keeley, and but what happens is, um, while you may not be able to get something from nothing, mm-hmm. right? Get, you know, get energy. You you, you simply <coughs> cannot have a you know a, a self-sustaining yeah. energy system. Um, you, you you know you have to have energy from somewhere because some energy is going to get lost to heat or friction or whatever. Exactly. So so what happens is um, there there are people who've who've really really worked on this and and every single one of their ideas get squashed. you know get clobbered. They don't get developed into anything that may improve what you've got. So we're stuck with fossil fuels. We're stuck with oil. We're stuck with gasoline. Mm-hmm. Um, why? <laughs> why this is two thousand and eight. Why are we feeding our gas tanks? I just don't get it. Well, I mean, it, 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 it's all one big smelly ball of wax, in my opinion. The whole every, thing, every all, single day. Now, I remember solar cells in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and 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 early eighties. I, I remember them. They were horribly inefficient. They were absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Um, but yet they made energy from the sun. Ooh, that's really really cool. 
Why is it now 2008, and now every, pretty much every day, maybe every other day, there's some new article about, we developed a coating that you simply paint onto a solar cell, and it in, increases efficiency, like, you know, uh, 15%. Well, why hasn't all this stuff been done in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, why, and, and early 2000s? Why is it important now? It's because no, nobody could look further ahead than mm. their next paycheck. Yeah, exactly. They can only see their next paycheck, and they can't see anything else. And and, well, and it disgusting. ties in with it ties in with the banking market right now. The mortgage industry has gone to hell. Um, there, you know, we just got a couple minutes here, but you know, and what have I been? One of my biggest things I get into conversations with people all the time about this stuff, and people are like, you know, well, it'll happen. Oh yeah, you know, I, I got it, caught up. Then I then I talked about this not too long ago. I, I saw an article. I saw. I'm sorry, not an article. I saw a report on TV. It was my folks' house. We're having dinner, and then the news on, and they were. Some reporter was having dinner with a family who was going to lose their house. Now, first of all, they were eating, like, steak and yeah. chicken and all this nice food where, you know, I pretty much like, live on, like, sandwiches and stuff. I mean, I do what I, you know, we do what I can to save money here and there. The house looks really, really nice, right? Oh, and as they're talking, I hear them make this comment. We got caught up in an arm. <laughs> How do you get caught up in anything? I mean, this is like, you know, a wood chipper. I could see you getting caught in a wood chipper if you get too close to it. Right. And then getting, like, you know, liquefied into nothing. Okay, I'll live with that. But as far as an ARM, adjustable rate mortgage, right, um, you don't get caught up in that. It's impossible. No. You, you sign kind, a piece of paper saying you, you agree to You kind of that. knew what it was like. No, you kind of you you knew what you were into. Yeah. I'm, and I, by no means am I on the side of the big guy. I'm not. But I know I have a mortgage, Right. That I took a 30-year conventional, mm -hmm. put a lot of money down on it myself. Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to have the money. And I'm, look at me how great I am. But I'm just saying, I did that, and now I'm not having, I mean, right as of right now, I'm not having these problems. Right. And I'm not feeling the, the crunch, right? Because I don't overspend. I never overspend anything. Um, and I tell people this all the time. Like, don't overspend. Don't. Don't do this to yourself. Don't run your credit debt up so high. I've been saying well, it for years. I don't get it, man. I just don't get it, dude. How, well, how do we get from Jim Jones to this? I, I don't, don't know. know but <laughs> speaking of all this, I know we've got to go to break. But the in order to get Judge Kenny on, yeah, yeah. The um, you know, all this stuff didn't. I I don't know why this is taking everyone by surprise. Oh my gosh, all this. Oh you know, my God, we're losing my our banks homes. are failing. Oh my God, we're losing our jobs. It it you know it started probably before, but the first thing that I can see is World Common Enron. Oh yeah. Those were those were literally Tyco. those were literally crooks. Those were thieves who are walking our streets right now. By the way, who are, who are not walking our streets? I think right now. one of them's in jail or something. But pretty much everybody else is like, you know, we we've got our houses and mansions. Some kid, some kid gets busted with an ounce of marijuana in his car. He's going up. He's going up the river for twenty years. Right. Can't get a job. Can't, can't do, anything. do anything. His life is completely yeah. screwed. Yeah. Uh, but this guy can be who's responsible for billions of dollars, millions of, of dollars, billions of, of other people's money. Yeah, of his employees' dollars. They weren't his dollars. They were not his money. But he took them, and he's out safe. What did I tell you last week? Last Monday we talked about this. I had a substantial sum of money with me. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. And I said, I need to get this to the bank and out of my pocket yeah. now. Yes. This is not my money. I'm responsible for this money, but it does not belong to me. So I need to get this somewhere safe because right. it's not mine. Right. So that you could turn it over two to plus two. Quick, people. Wants. I don't get it. Yes. All right. All right. Soapbox. We got to get out here. Ready? Step down All to the right. soapbox. Okay. We're down. We need to go to break. I, like I don't know. I don't know. Just think a little bit.
These things have been, I guess they've been in my I call think we for a while. Need, I think we need to find a conspiracy theorist who, who can tie the Ugh. Enron, the, you know, the Enrons, the Tycos, the, the, what's the cable company I'm sick of, I'm sick of it. I'm just know, sick of it all. Tie like, it all this to this stuff because I'm sure there's a tie. I just don't know what it is, but I'm no. sure it's. I'm sure it's there. It, when you, if you're in the paranormal, if you're whatever you're doing, you need just to be asking these questions and think a little bit. Think a little further than your nose. I'm actually thinking, oh, Adelphia. I, I'm thinking of, <laughs> of running around and telling everybody, go out and film a pilot because <laughs> that's the only way you're going to save your house. And you've got about as much chance of getting uh, of saving your house now as you are of getting that pilot like accepted by a, uh, by a company. But, you well, know, hey. Hopefully things will start working out now that the holidays are coming. I hope so. Maybe some holiday cheer will come down and we'll all feel better. <laughs> I think I need some. Do you got any eggnog? I got some tea here, but... I need eggnog. Maybe, I think it got me wired. Now I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Do you put rum or whiskey in an eggnog? I don't remember. I don't know. Put I'm, them both in there. I'm not at, a this, drinker, at this point, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go to break. Bring, when we come back, we'll have John Chichetti on the phone to talk oh. all about Ohio and its ghosts. And we'll talk about some paranormal stuff. So the hate mail, stop it right now. That's a good idea. Is the veil between this world and the next getting thinner? I'm Chris Sloan, inviting you to join in and listen to a new podcast that deals with the paranormal, Parapod, with new guests every week, from paranormal investigators to the people they help. Hear actual EVP. The people that capture. We go into a case to disprove a haunting. Three flashlights, actually four, counting the lantern, were actually honed in on this thing, and it was swallowing the light up. Parapod. Log on to myspace.com forward slash Chris Sloan Radio. That's myspace.com forward slash C H R I S S L O N E Radio. The only difference between the believer and the skeptic is time, and your time is now. I say, Sean B., I've been thinking about all the things necessary to produce a proper paranormal broadcast. Mm, do tell, Nathan S., what are these vital qualities? Empathy, commitment, quiet dignity, and self-respect. Indeed. What a shame we don't have any of those traits. Oh, yeah, the Ghost Man and Demon Hunter show is rocking its way on the supernatural scene. It's drive time paranormal broadcasting without the driving or the timing. Just go to www.ghostandhuman.com. Think you know what goes up in the night? You ain't heard nothing yet. Each week we'll be bringing you the best and the worst kept secrets in the paranormal community. Yeah, us, the Ghost Man and Demon Hunter, Sunday from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. www.ghostanddemon.com. The Ghost Man and Demon Hunter.
it. It's real simple. Five million dollars. Everybody should take a chance for five million dollars at least once in their life. This is an EVP. These were recorded by the Long Island Ghost Hunting Team. Light. To hear more, come listen to Light Paranormal Radio. Go to lightparanormal.com and subscribe to us in iTunes. Ghostly Talk with your hosts, Doug, Scott L., and Bonnie. Yes, I have not forgotten about you guys either. We Us do guys. We, oh, them guys. Those guys, the yeah. ones that listen to the show, not the uh, ones that do the show. Oh, okay, yeah. Book giveaway will be sometime tonight. I'm not Ooh, telling you when. Excellent. We'll be giving away a book. 
And I'm liking this email thing a lot better. We're just going to do it that way. It's more fun. I can I like manage it, it better. Uh, this is Ghostly Talk. I'm Scott Allen. And I'm Doug. And uh, what's going on here, Doug? Who do we have on the well, line? We are going to be talking with, I think he's on the line already, I hope um, from www.centralohioparanormal.com. Well, that's nah. the team that he ghost hunts with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got John Chiquetti on the phone to talk about Ohio Wesleyan University mm-hmm. and all the bumps that go on in the night <coughs> there, which is evidently picking up, John. Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. Hey, thank you. It's good to have you back on, John. I know um, we wanted to bring you back on because there's been some developments, I guess. I guess some, some stuff that's been going on out there at Ohio Wesleyan University. Now, if we can, before we get into that, though, I'd like people to know exactly, I mean, well, what it is you do there because you kind of have a really cool job. We kinda, you kind of yes, have a job. Yes, a lot of us, us want to have that job. What is, it, how, how, what is it you exactly do, if you don't mind uh, letting us know? I'm an officer with the Department of Public Safety here at the university. So okay. you are all over the university at all hours of the day and night. Um, That's right. And and so you get to and and you're supposed to observe and uh, you know keep react if necessary and keep an eye on things. Yeah. So this is oh. like it's your job essentially to ghost hunt all night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and keep the people. You know, well, the, yeah. go yeah. back to bed, people. You're interfering with the ghost. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> if a person happens to wander around, but no, this this is like really, really cool. Actually, well, we had the chance to meet you last year. If you remember, Jamie, you you let, you were nice enough to take us out and. Yes, give us a give us a dime tour of the Ohio Wesleyan University campus and some of the some of the cooler areas you took us to to show us things and we had a great time. Thanks again for having us out there again. You're uh, welcome. And uh, you know we've we we. You, you let me know. We we keep in contact, obviously. So uh, you said there's been some things going on there. I'm curious to know. I'm going to let you take this. I mean, what's happening out there right now? Well, it happened during the homecoming uh, uh, weekend here. Um, you know, you, when there's people say there's sightings, uh, you know, you have to kind of prove it to me. Um, let me give me the facts and everything like that. Let me investigate it and see whether or not uh, there is a plausible explanation for uh, a certain incident, yeah. the way things happen, and then try to debunk, debunk uh, as much as you can. But if it, then you know, of course. Uh, you have to do an investigation, see whether it's possible that this occurred or will have occurred or it's occurring mm-hmm. uh, on, on your watch. But anyway, you know, it's one thing for a student to say, okay, I I listen to what the students say about the hauntings and I go investigate it. And mo- most times what they say is absolutely correct. Uh, but when it comes from a university official, oh. there's yes. That's uh, a whole no, new level of credibility. And, yeah, and right. Absolutely, which yeah. doesn't um, shy away from any credibility. From you know, doesn't lower any credibility, but just because of their student, because you know they're they're people. Right. Because hauntings hauntings can be experienced by anybody anyone, at any time, anyone. anywhere. Right. And uh, but but I mean, all of a sudden, here's somebody who who. Um, a group of you, people who keeps the keeps the you know the university going, guides the university in its in its rules and oh, regulations, absolutely. and and for uh-huh. the future, this is somebody who uh, would care a lot, lot, lot about the university and its and its day to day operations and its future. So this is somebody oh, who's absolutely. like thrown themselves into yeah. Ohio Wesleyan University as right. you know as a caretaker, as you know. So so this mm-hmm. is somebody who's really. You know, above I, I I not above and beyond, but who's really shown that they're above and you know, gone the extra mile for the university, and then they they have a 
something to report. Wow, that's got to like you know. Yeah, that really sets just, the, yeah the turns your head. Fire. Yeah. Yes. So what it is, they went into the uh, Stuyvesant Hall where you and I went to. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a humongous structure. Uh, we call it the haunted mansion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so there's a bell, there's a bell tower uh, uh, on top, and and there's a way of getting into there. So they were taking a tour for some of the past officials and uh, some of the officials that haven't been in there. They went up there in order to get to where the bells are. There's a small uh, spiral metal staircase goes from the uh, bell loft. Sounds like it's... Right out of an Edgar Allan Poe tale. Or yeah, something. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you have the the manual keyboard in that area, and and you have to um, step because it's about waist uh, as wide as your waist is. You mm-hmm. know, it's real really um, uh, small to get up there. But uh, you have to take your padlock and go on, on up there. Mm-hmm. And both both sides of the um, uh, dormitory. Um, they were chain locked and padlocked. What I'm getting is, when they opened up that door, they stepped on out where the bells were. There was a man standing there. It, bring, it started to really concerned a lot of the officials. Say, How did this man get there? And that person was as solid as just looking at you or me. And uh, they, there was no transparency whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But they, that person was there on the ledge, looking down. At the courtyard down below, mm. they finally got someone from the buildings and grounds department to get up to get that man out of there. Mm-hmm. The person vanished. Oh, yes, and we had some other uh, incidents in which we had a professor in University Hall um, who had passed away in 1989 mm-hmm. doing the illness inside his uh, office on the second floor. He had been seen whenever someone performs in the grand um, auditorium there, which is called Great Great Chapel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would, um, quite recently, as far as May, he would come, and he passed away in 1989. Mm-hmm. He would come uh, down to the stairwell and come through the doors and go toward the organ, walking toward the organ, and it startled some students because they knew this person was out of place. When the faculty members recognized him, he said, Dad, this is Dr. So-and-so. He passed away in 1989. <laughs> 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 and the, the various students and the faculty members had seen him walking the um, uh, the Great Chapel and the University Hall at times. And, you know, I um, um, there was a young man that I had on through an EB, EBP and not only that, I could hear him at the same time, and he was made. We made contact with this young man. His name is Sean. We asked him what you know as far as finding the timeline where he existed. Mm-hmm. He said, "You you run around here. You create. You know, you're mischievous and everything. We have you on film. We have you. Uh, matter of fact, Scott, I'll I'll mail you a, a, a picture of us. Okay." Sean. Um, and we asked him, who is the president of the United States? And he talked to a man who's uh, a priest. The priest uh, interpreted what he said. He said, William McKinley. Wow. Oh. So finally yes, asking uh, all those questions works for a change, right? Yes, <laughs> it, yes some it verification. does. Wow. And you're referring, when you mentioned the Grand, the grand Chapel there, it's where a place, and I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, John, um, 
This was the actual like main. It's a, it's a huge uh, auditorium that right. has and probably that's where where they had uh, at one time since it was a method. It's Methodist University. They had mandatory uh, chapel worship, mm-hmm. and over the years it went from seven times uh, a day or a week yeah. uh, to only about to just a couple, then and finally. Um, you know, it knows no more. But now they have performances. They even have a chapel there. Mm-hmm. Now they're getting, they're getting back to where uh, they are having chapel on Sundays or Wednesdays or whatever. So in yeah. other parts of the university. But um, well, this this chapel has the biggest the organ, hugest <laughs> one of the biggest in the world. It's a pipe oh. organ. It's a pipe yeah, organ. Cross the cross organ. It yes. is the hugest thing. The some of the pipes that come off this thing are like the width of like a like, like a Cessna, like you know the tube part of the Cessna. Yeah. These are I'm like, dude. I, I mean, I I was salivating actually to like turn this thing on, which would probably take about a half an hour to fire it all up. But I mean, <laughs> but it's longer just to, to hit that window. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just to hit one of those notes, just to listen to that warmth and that power come through that. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to go on a tangent, but I mean, I remember we walked in there. The three of us walked in there, John, I was like, my God, I mean, I've seen a lot of pipe organs in my time, you know, just going all over the place, but that was the biggest one I've ever seen. I mean, it had to have been right. just absolutely cool to hear. One of these days I'm going to have to get down there and listen to that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, John. That's okay. <laughs> it, it, it rivals the, the organ uh, that's in the uh, Air Force Academy at Boulder, Colorado, so it's, it's, it's no doubt. very... Well, I, no had doubt. Seen, I had seen a much smaller one, I'm sure, that, that was built in at... Um, uh, what, what's the one in New York? The the uh, the, ar- the second army training. Oh, West Point. Well, West Point. West yes. Point. Yes. I was in West Point uh, mm-hmm. for a while, and I and I did for like a weekend or a long weekend or something. And there was a uh, they have a chapel there, and of course they they told us the story of the the organ that you evidently you you put the organ in first, and then you build the chapel around it. Because yeah. it is that, you know, these, these pipes are long and they run, you know, they're, they're hidden, you know, a lot of it is hidden in, in walls and under the, you know, because some of these pipes are just, you know, that big. So yeah. They, so they, they actually put, you know, you put an organ in first and then you build the chapel around it. So I'm sure right. that's got to be pretty much with these larger ones. This thing was ridiculous. What you have to do as well. Sorry, right. John. I'm, we're we're going on about this order. I know, I know. But you know, I, uh, there is something though about um, you know about that amount of power yeah. in a place because you've got not only do you still have well the, the acoustics were fantastic you've got in the this acoustics, room too. You've also got um, you know a lot of people praying uh, simultaneously right. focused yeah. on something uh, for years and years and years and years, many times, sometimes a day oh, and then a week and then optional. Right. But then then you've also got now plays and stuff like that going on, which oh, we yeah. all know theaters are. Are yeah. for some reason known to be, you know, attract haunted, you know, yeah. haunting. So, mm-hmm. so you've got all the, you've got more than the right conditions mm-hmm. right. for a haunting you in know, that particular place. Well, I'll tell you what, I we I did a survey of the buildings in the in the areas of the university that have ghostly activity. Yes, yes. So you you have twenty two buildings plus the open grounds, some areas of the open grounds which you have uh, ghostly phenomena occurring on a daily or nightly basis. So wow. this, this, this place is haunted. Uh, it's not Halloween once a year. It's 35, six, it's 365 <laughs> days out of the year. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, how many buildings are there total? Do you have a number on how many buildings there are total uh, on campus? 30-some, I think. So uh, that's over I'm half. Guessing. 
I mean, it, just if it's a 30 some, it's still over half. Just to, I mean. uh, yeah, uh, as a rough estimate, I could be, um, you know, could be exaggerated. Could it um, could be a lot more. But uh -huh. anyway, we we also we have like he's talking about theaters. We have our central theater, which is the the Chapel Air Drama Center, which is haunted. We do have a resident ghost in there, mm -hmm. which is commonly known on campus. But we also have the Strand Theater on downtown, mm -hmm. which we now own, um, which is is haunted. So anything that you know, since we do have, and I figured it out, and a lot of us have figured out why there's a lot of energies trapped. The foundation of Delaware, Ohio, is um, underneath of the foundations is quartz mm. and blue limestone. Yeah, I was just getting, wow. you read my mind, John, because I was going to ask you, why, 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 why are so many buildings on this place haunted like this? Right, it's throughout the city. It's throughout the city. There's a lot of, a lot of people don't talk about their homes being haunted, but you know what, the, what they are in, in due time and years go by, information comes out. And we have spirits go from the northeast end of um, of Delaware, Ohio, walk mm. through campus and go all the way down to the highway, U.S. Route 23, going south and north. And they walk through the campus and walk through the streets. And it uh, brings, brings a lot of chill to you when, mm. you, you, when you see them walking towards you. So <laughs> it, it's throughout the entire city. I mean, it, it is phenomenal down here. Of course, it was uh, the birthplace of the Delaware Indian Nation, and um, you have a lot of Indian battles and the battles between the pioneers and the Indians and everything like that. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and the soldiers that were were buried her here, uh, General William Henry Harrison's garrison. You mm -hmm. know, Henry Harrison became uh, one of the ninth president of the United States, but uh, he um, had his dead soldiers buried right on the university land. Which was a humongous, um, humongous uh, pioneer cemetery. Oh, well, I can say you know, just just to verify, you know, hey, like we were talking about the first half hour of the show about all this wild stuff. Uh, you know, I've been to the, I've been to Ohio Wesleyan University, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, with John. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, right. And we Stuyvesant Hall, as a matter of fact. See, this is we John and I actually hooked up as a result of some research I'm doing. Right. And um, I was just doing some searches on the web and come across this place called Stuyvesant Hall. Um, that's how I got a hold of John. And I actually am holding this, as a matter of fact. You, uh, I'm actually holding a copy, uh, the, the copy of your book you, uh, you gave me, John, uh, the, the Ghost of Stuyvesant Hall and Beyond, Volume 1. Well, you know, that title actually means that you've got a lot more work to do, John. Yeah, that's uh, right. You, you, named it, you named it perfectly, uh, The Ghost of Stuyvesant <laughs> Hall uh, and Beyond. And it sounds like it reaches not only beyond Stuyvesant Hall, but into the buildings on the campus yeah. and then oh, beyond yeah. into Delaware, Ohio. Yeah. And then it, it just sounds like you've got quite, well, the, quite the place. You're gonna Stuyvesant like Hall itself is... A hundred books. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> when we were in Stuyvesant Hall, I have this on tape, as a matter of fact. I think I actually play... Uh, no, no. I don't think I played it on the show. It's something I have. It's for research stuff. But uh, we actually had some weird stuff happen to us at Stuyvesant right. Hall. We chased after a shadow person. Yeah, we yeah. Wow. We saw some weird thing at the top of one of the stairwells. Mm -hmm. and, oh, yes. Uh, we come running upstairs. We're looking <laughs> We were losing our minds. But there was some... And we were hearing all these ping sounds and stuff like that. I, I mean... I don't have enough time to go into the whole story of how it all happened, but we it was really one of them few places I've been to where I was like, okay, something really strange is going on here. What's up with yeah. that? And that was yeah. at Stuyvesant Hall. 
I, from what I understand, though, John, that, you know, we said, you know, the ghosts of Stuyvesant Hall and beyond. Uh, beyond, or volume one here, uh, is there a volume two in the works? Yes, it is. Oh, really? What do we have to look forward to with that? Well, we're looking, we're, we're looking of course, at the theaters. We're looking at the, um, uh, where the Pioneer Cemetery used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it went, uh, of course, that's where the soldiers, uh, the, uh, the casualties were buried during the war. Uh, during the war, mm-hmm. as a result of the wars of eighteen twelve, uh-huh. and um, the French Indian War as well. Um, that's where we were. Where University Hall was the foundation of uh, the starting of Delaware, Ohio. But the uh, the massive graveyards went from one end of the football stadium to the other, through the parking lot of club to the tennis courts. Mm. Now we do have. Um, you know when they made the, when they excavated um, for the football field, football stadium, they excavated uh, an Indian burial ground. Mm-hmm. Also, according to one of the city officials of Delaware, Ohio, not all of the bodies have been exhumed. Ooh. Yes. So you have a massive graveyard with bodies still strung about. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, we have a resurrection. Mary type of haunting, which goes on regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, a young lady named Anne Cynthia Fell, uh, who was murdered in 1953, September 17th, which made national news. Um, she, her spirit ro- uh, walks down on Henry Street toward the stadium, toward the old graveyard. Mm. And um, people, because um, you see a woman in the 50s. Uh, 50 style dress uh, in bare feet walking on gravel and on the road by herself and uh, people want to help her out and see if she's okay yeah, you know, yeah. Of, uh, she turns around after you after you stop in the car she turns around she has no face Ooh, oh that's enough for me <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason which, when she was murdered uh, the guy took an iron pipe to her face oh god mangled it yeah, That's yeah, you can you can just see exactly. There is something. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's something really disturbing, and I've seen images yeah. like this. I've seen them in books or movies about you know, and I've seen a lot of monsters. I've seen every creepy, scary monster there ever is. The fangs. I've uh, seen all that insane new, stuff. Yeah. But there's something uh, about I've seen some of these things where somebody turns around like that and they have no face. Right. Now that is that freak. That. Yeah, you never want to see that. No, it just freaks me out, man. And then it, it, it does occur there on many, even in Stuyvesant Hall, a woman would turn around; she has no face. Well, I, if I'm coming back there sometime, I you, to make sure she's hiding in a dorm room somewhere. I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> no way, <laughs> John. Unfortunately, we are at the top of the hour. Hang on the line for a second, though. Okay, don't okay. leave us. All right, just hang tight for one second. We got to go to break here in a second. One thing I wanted to mention, um, I hadn't got a chance to do it just yet. Um, I got to put this out, and this is kind of a downer. I know we just had a great conversation with John, uh, but a, a friend of mine this week, um, a friend who I met through Amber, um, uh, her girlfriend, uh, who's a, her best friend, uh, her boyfriend. Unfortunately, his name was Eric. He was he was killed in a car accident this week. Oh man! Yeah, uh, and yeah, he was one of those guys. Well, first of all, it was actually like 
uh, this guy Eric and me, we were, we were we looked exactly the same. We were built exactly the same. And I, you know, we used to make fun of Amber and Kristen because we're like, "What are you guys are both in the fat guys? What's up with this? <laughs> what are you doing here?" <laughs> right? But yeah, Eric was coming home from work, uh, from what we understand, and uh, he's really been working a lot of hours. Uh, and I, from what we understand, he fell asleep at the wheel. And, oh, uh, yeah, was killed in a car yeah. accident. Uh, and he was such a great guy, you know. And I just wanted to just, you know, put out, you know, put out, you know, some re- respect to his family and and Kristen, who's been widowed now, unfortunately. I mean, she, they weren't married, but they were going to be getting married. Um, and it was really a sad thing. Well, I told you about it on Friday, Doug. Yeah, send all my best to Kristen and uh, yeah. and his family, the you know Eric's family, because wow, yeah, that's something. And he was such a great guy. I loved it, loved him to death. I mean, we only got to hang out a few times, but he was one of those people where I was always excited to come and hang out with him. Yeah. Well, let's, <coughs> um, I'll tell you what. Let's, let's go, go to break. break yeah. Let's um. Uh, also, hell of a way to go to break. But. I know. Well, <laughs> let, let's pep it up just a little bit and say, uh, uh, you know, we have to thank John Chiquetti of Central Ohio Paranormal. Yes, thank you, John, man. Um, that was absolutely amazing. Stay right here, John. Don't Stay leave right us. here. Don't leave us yet. And uh, okay. we'll come back with, of course, Glenn Kimball. Yes, we're wow. Glenn. Looking forward to that. We'll be right back after this. Whoop. Okay. What's up, John? <laughs> you got something? Hey, to say? You, uh, uh, I I got an email from Jeff Bellinger. Oh, did you? Long. Yes. Yes. So um, you, you haven't seen him. In He'll be on the show next week, as a matter of fact, John. Right. You tell him I said hello. Oh, for Absolutely sure. Absolutely well. Hang on, John. We're going to go to break. Hang tight for one <laughs> second, okay? All right. We're going to go to break right now. I swear <laughs> to God. I swear to God <laughs> we're going to break. six more buttons. Here we go. Push. Here we go. I swear to God. For more info, visit ghostlytalk.com. The Internet's only rock and roll paranormal extravaganza. Special guest with us, Robbie Thomas, psychic medium. Where is the Lawrence House? It's in Ontario, Canada. It is a house that was owned by a shipbuilder. And it was haunted. The tools of the trade back then were baby powder. The reason being is I could see and the kids with me couldn't. So I figured if I threw the baby powder in the air as the spirit was walking through, it would cover it, and then they could say, oh, we see it now. The next tool was a flashlight, so we know where we were going, and a rope, so we could tie it around so we don't get taken away by the spirit. So that hey, was the Anthony, just, just not what your last girlfriend said? <laughs> <laughs> that's, just, that's just a Friday night for Anthony. Baby powder, a rope, and a flashlight. <laughs> Para Hub Radio, Thursdays, 10 p.m. to midnight Eastern, on Bounce Radio and parahub.org. Listen to Darker Side of the Moon Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Visit our website at darkersideradio.com. From horror movies to the paranormal, we cover it all. It's a spooky, weird, and zany kind of show. With your hosts, Laura Moon and Becky Ray. Don't miss it.
I'm Tim Yancey, inviting you to explore the fascinating realm of the paranormal. Ghosts and hauntings, Bigfoot, UFOs, and alien abductions. Join me live every Sunday evening at 9 p.m. with the foremost authorities and experts in the world regarding the mysterious realm of the unexplained. The Encounters Paranormal Radio Series, as heard on WBZT, 1230 a.m. EncountersBroadcasting.com Listening to Ghostly Talk with your hosts Doug, Scott L, and Bonnie. Rock on. You know, all the music on Ghostly Talk is... For better or for worse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was... It was very... Oh, that stuff makes you want to kill people. I love, that band was called Phobia. I love those I know, guys from a, California. It's a like, love song. I can't hear Those guys it rule. Was, I don't care what anybody awesome. says. They're awesome. Um, it, all the music on Ghostly Talk, uh, which, which is all of our breaks, with yeah. the exception of Bonnie Vent's uh, Paranormal News, which is coming up the next break. That's an independent but publication, the, though, also. Uh, yeah, all this stuff is independent. Independent music, independent uh, mm. Paranormal News, whole, uh, Ghostly Liners, everything, everything that is a part of this show has been done independently by friends of ours or by ourselves. Yes, so very independent. Uh, <laughs> and and trying, you know, I, I hope Change you enjoy out. some of this music, enjoy some of the the bands, yeah. the uh, the paranormal news, and enjoy it all because it's all independently produced for you yes, and yes. your uh, benefit or yeah. listening pleasure or for headache, you to make, whatever it may to be to make fun of or whatever. <laughs> you guys, there is a tremendous amount of history that has been neglected and forgotten. And much of what we've been taught about historical events, our ancestors, and the famous people of the past is either grossly inaccurate or just plain wrong. Glenn Kimball has traveled the world and studied a lifetime to uncover the real stories of histories. The website is www.kimballcollege.com. That's K-I-M-B-A-L-L college.com and we would like to welcome Glenn Kimball back to Ghostly Talk. Glenn, it's great to have you back on the show, man. It's good to be here. It's been years. It's been a while. I think it's been I, a long I time. I think it's been at least a couple of years and I'm what, what how have we lost touch? Well, towards the end of this year what I was trying to do is I was going back through um, and looking at kind of some of our history and stuff, and I'm like, you know, who are some of the best, you know, some of the people we really that really left an impression on us over the last few years uh, that we'd like to bring back and have back on the show? And Glenn, you were the top of our list, so we're honored to have you back on the show. Well, it's good to be here, and the weather out here in Arizona is beautiful. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. Well, it's as of right now, Glenn, we're we're hoping the show don't blow up because we're in the middle of a snowstorm as we speak. You need yeah. to come out, put on your shorts, and go on the motorcycles with them. <laughs> sounds it sounds fantastic. Yeah. Uh, like we said, I mean, I think what we wanted to focus on tonight, maybe, just to get things rolling here, um, one of the things I have listed here is the secret teachings of Jesus. And I thought this was super, super interesting, Glenn. Uh, go ahead, Doug. Well, that's the thing, is the, you know, because um, we're talking about, you know, a little over 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Right? Uh, we're we're talking about the uh, 
you know, events that happened and, and some writings, obviously. But all of it, all of it is, of course, uh, emotionally and religiously charged. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody, and, and they fight over the smallest, everybody fights over the smallest little thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so th- th- this particular topic is, is going to be very difficult to talk about, but I, I'm really interested in... in, in um, things like the secret teachings of Jesus and the things that you know you you wouldn't hear about normally because you know that he didn't spend um you know his lifetime you know doing just what they describe there had to have been a lot more to there it there has to have been a lot more to a, it a professor of mine uh from years ago said something to me that I thought was really really interesting and he said did you realize that you could write a book on one day of your life uh, you could write a book from beginning, oh, yeah. I mean, a, a novel for I'm one day of your life. Uh, there's that much detail in things that you experience in a day of your life that you could do that. So, yeah, Glenn, I have to, I mean, based on that, there has to have been a lot of things as far as even just his teachings were concerned. That we're just not told. Yeah, so where do we start but, from there, Glenn? <laughs> well, we know that Jesus' best friend and an apostle, John the Beloved, said in the Bible, he said in John 21, 25, he said, and many things Jesus did, I suppose if they were all written, the world itself could not contain all the books that should be written. Uh-huh. And and we now have a Bible with 70-some-odd sayings of Jesus. We have uh, some of the historians say uh, suggest that he didn't write anything more or he couldn't write or that, uh, that there was no more written about him. And that's plain wrong. Uh, it okay. does not... Jesus was prolific in his writings. He was prolific in his teachings. The problem was is that Jesus was mobile. He did not spend his entire life in Nazareth as some poor indigent person, the son of a pauper carpenter. Uh, <clears throat> he spent, when his dad died when he was about 15 years old, that's Joseph the carpenter, mm-hmm. uh, his protectorate under Jewish law was the next of kin, who was the great and very, very rich man called Joseph of Arimathea. And Joseph of Arimathea took Jesus on his boats because he was literally the foster father uh, of Jesus in that sense of the word. And I take that term from the Carmelite nuns from the Uri of the woods. <coughs> it's their term. And he spoke and he taught. Uh, he was in England several times. He taught at uh, universities, which were were very large during his day. Uh, during his lifetime, for example, there was a school in Great Britain which was suggested uh, to have contained 60,000 students during his lifetime. He certainly taught there. Uh, certainly after his death, many of the records about the, the things that Jesus wrote were taken to Great Britain by Joseph of Arimathea, mm-hmm. who eventually settled there and took uh, things like the Bronze Book with him, which has emerged in our day as a text out of the Glastonbury Abbey. We know that, that Jesus spoke and taught uh, uh, all the way across uh, his travels, more, uh, more than likely into the Americas, more than likely into Japan, where they still claim his tomb is today. And we know that he taught in all the little schools along the Silk Trade Route on his way back to Jerusalem, and that one of the final... Uh, letters he wrote before he arrived back into Jerusalem was a letter recorded by the great uh, historian Eusebius who was the archbishop under 
Constantine the Caesar, and he was the one who helped formulate Catholicism. That letter was has been published and well known for sixteen hundred years. <sighs> Why do not we know this? Well, yeah. Why don't we know this? <laughs> and Jesus wrote that letter, and he was so famous that the king Agbaras, who invited him to return back to uh, Persia, where he was located, uh, because he'd already been there and teaching at the, at the schools in northern India, uh, said, please come back. You're going to get in trouble in Jerusalem, and I'm paraphrasing. Uh-huh. Uh, they don't like you out there. The Jews aren't <laughs> going to accept you out there. Uh-huh. Come on back here. I've got a place for you, and we'll take care of you. And Jesus wrote him back and said, I cannot because I'm, uh, I have to fulfill uh, my mission. And he went back to Jerusalem. But that letter that he wrote back and forth to King Agbaras uh, exists today. And by the way, there is a brand-new center one of the largest buildings in the world in Spain called the Building of Agbaras uh, that's just been constructed. And most of the people who uh, uh, visit that building have no idea that this great prolific king had invited Jesus to return back to India to continue in peace doing his teachings. So he was all over the place. He, I mean... <laughs> World, more or less world traveler. I mean, as far as I mean, that's something we don't hear about of all the travel. I mean, from what well, you're everyone, saying, go everyone ahead. wanted to own him. Every place he went, they wanted to own him. As a matter of fact, Jesus is the only figure in history that transcends all five major religions. That is, let's enumerate them: okay. uh, uh, Christianity, obviously, mm-hmm. Judaism. He's the greatest prophet in Judaism. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we talk about Buddhism, if you go to any Buddhist uh, uh, college or any Buddhist teaching establishment and ask them who the greatest of the Buddhas was, they will tell you it was the Buddha Isa, and we have the Buddha Isa's writings, and he says, my name is Jesus, and I must return to my homeland to fulfill my mission. So he was, the gre- he was also called the greatest of the Buddhas, in India, we just finished a class on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he spoke to the, grand, to, to the great ascended masters in India, met many of them, taught many of them, and had conversations and dialogue with many of them. So he was, and was called the greatest of the ascended masters, so he was the Hindu greatest master. And obviously in Islam, uh, if you've read the Quran, the Quran is the story of Muhammad attempting to restore back to an ailing Christianity the history of their most famous prophet, who was not Mohammed, it was Jesus. Mm. Wow. So, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to process all this. It means he, um, yeah, he got around. He got around. He, he, was, he was a traveling guy, and he had the funds to do it. You know, one of the greatest books that is, has still survives in our day is in the Vatican, acknowledged by the Pope, especially in his uh, American television program uh, in 1997. Uh, one of the greatest books is called The Gospel of the Virgin Mary. Mm. Now, that's not in the Bible. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. But the Pope acknowledges it as being most authentic and a accurate description of the life and times of the birth and sayings of Jesus. This describes Jesus 
and his family as being wealthy and being able to give a third of their increase to the poor and needy and feeding thousands in the hills. Now, that's how you get 5,000 people to come and listen to you, as you feed them. Okay. Well, that makes more sense now. Yes, it does. <laughs> because, well, when we Okay, go ahead, Doug. When he I'm, would be going around to all these different people, because, uh, you know, obviously there... You know this this message was was getting out, and he was able to do it right. He's happening, guys out there in the hills, back and forth, all over the place. Right, and he's talking to the children, and he's talking to the university students, and he's talking to the, what what would it would it have been like? Um, like if you were in the audience, what what would it have been like? Does is it like a church service, or is it like a uh, um, uh, you know a a really cool astronomy class. I mean, how, <laughs> how, what was, did you get any info on what the teachings were like? Brilliant question. We do have a copy of, for example, the things that the 12-year-old Jesus was teaching at the temple when, he, when his parents lost him for three days and he was teaching the, 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 the knowledgeable people in the temple in Jerusalem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have an entire transcript of what he taught now. Mm. Mm -hmm. Awesome, and, and it can it contained nine subject areas. Not the least was medicine and science, and politics as well as religion. He talked about the creation of the universe. <laughs> um, listening to this man, if you were to if you were to look at him, you would either see him dressed. In the in the robes that his mother had bought him, probably, <laughs> yeah, right. or that his uncle had bought him, which were a robe of of the finest quality, and that's why they gambled for his clothing at the feet of the cross, was because this robe was without seams and a precious piece of cloth. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but you would probably have seen him in his austere uh, clothing. He felt he felt that. Uh, Dressing down for the occasion was the was was more important than dressing up for the occasion. Unlike many of his colleagues, uh, like Apollonius, who was a pretender to the messiahship, who walked around and tried to point fingers at themselves as being uh, elect me president of the United States. Please do. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus was not. Jesus said, "My kingdom isn't of this world." And he began to teach things that they had never heard of before, things that they had never conceptualized. But he also taught of some of these universities that had very, very, very large li libraries. We talk about the Library of Alexandria being a, a missing library of size. But probably the greatest libraries in history were the Library of Ionia, uh, which certainly had records about Jesus and his times and travels. Uh, that was that's probably bigger than the Vatican Library, which has 52 miles of books in it. But the Vatican Library now isn't the biggest library with regard to Christ as well. Um, today in our day, the largest library with the best research on Jesus still exists at, at the Jesus College in Oxford in England. Well, mm. of course it would, because that's where his uncle took the records after the crucifixion and where he took all these books and where that information became a part of this great university where many of the Roman elite had sent their favorite sons. Some of the people attending this university in Great Britain were people like Pontius Pilate and Lucius Sejanus, who was the Praetorian prefect for Tiberius Caesar. 
these people were sending their children there because they had better schools. Well, Glenn, I got I have to point this out that, you know, what we've touched so far really paints a picture of Jesus as more of a scholarly type character, not the spiritual one we've, you know, we've we've grown up to know that, you know, we've heard all the teachings and things like that. But from, you know, just touching on the nine areas you mentioned, right? Well, it sounds like he was more science, versatile. Politics. Than... I mean, this is stuff that, you know, well, science, we know that there's always going to be the ongoing dramatic struggle between science and religion. Um, well, go ahead, Glenn. Re remember one thing, though. In their day, there was no separation between science and religion. Okay. Um, the things that were unseen were things that they wanted to know. I mean, in our day, we don't see radio waves, we don't see television waves, we don't, you know, there's, there's so many things going on with gamma rays and magnetism and gravity and, and all that sort of thing that we do not, we cannot perceive with our five senses. For, for them, that was, a, it was a science and a religion at the same time. It's only in our day that we've tried to, to divide that particular genre into two separate categories, the very pious and the very atheist. <laughs> and, and, and both of those two areas, as they exist in separation from each other, have been another reason why we've lost the teachings of Jesus, because, because they don't fit perfectly in either camp. Okay. Not to say that religions are bad or that science is bad. Probably science is, I would blame more for it for a problem. You know, Einstein said the best. He says that science without religion is ignorant. And and he wasn't the, the holy pious the, uh, prophet. He, he was a scientist of, in our day, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus taught about how to cure the sicknesses of the world, how, about the stars they couldn't see, and about the creation of the universe, and about... Uh, uh, the ions and the, and the quantum mechanics of the world. In fact, uh, Ionia, uh, we get the term ion from the Ionians, the Greek Ionians. Uh -huh. uh, so, you know, when Jesus taught there and gave them all this information, this was a huge body of information that their ancestors had known, but it also treated the metaphysical. And in order to be able to understand science today, the greatest thing science could do was get a little religion. They, they don't have to be pious, and they don't have to stand on the podium with the robes and, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and that sort of thing. But if they wanted to discover what our ancestors knew scientifically, which was how to move great big stones, how to heal the sick, how to plant crops in areas that crops could not grow, how to how to prevent tsunamis on the island of Easter Island, uh, Rapa Nui? How you know, all these kinds of things that were going on in history? Uh, we should we should consider these religious documents and reverse engineer a few of those, and maybe we could cure the ills of the world by doing that because they once had it down pat. And now we don't. And this really, what this has me thinking about too, Glenn, is just the paranormal in general, right? Um, it, 
I think that maybe what the problem is as far as trying to get some type of proof maybe out there is it's very obvious that the, the paranormal, let's just say ghosts like you know spirits and ghosts, for example, they don't really fit in with the hard, rigid, scientific end of things and or the the, the end of the spiritual, too. Um, and maybe that's why we're not making any headway with that kind of stuff because um, there's always one school of thought fighting the other school of thought here, and, and they're, maybe they're, they're so busy fighting they can't push forward. Do you guys see what I'm saying? Exactly, and that's exactly what's happening. And this is all political. Our, our politics have, over a period of time, erased and attempted to erase the figure of Jesus from our history. Uh, in fact, there are books written that say that Jesus never existed, which is one of the most preposterous uh, thoughts I can possibly imagine, because there's more written about the figure of Jesus worldwide mm -hmm. than any other historical character in history, and that includes Alexander the Great or or whomever you wish to choose. Okay. And more things written by him than anybody, than than uh, Plato or Aristotle or anything else like that. Well, yeah, I mean... It I think that really well. Thank you, Doug. Welcome. <laughs> Why I, didn't I, you just I, say that on the air? Well, I didn't. I didn't want to compliment you. you no. Know, on, on well, the you air. know, as I blush and stuff like that. Um. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, I, Glenn. We got two. Glenn, Glenn, I just wrote him a note saying your comment was profound because you know we were just talking just um, in in the first half hour of the yeah, show. We yeah. get we get uh, we get a half hour to discuss whatever we want. And I never thought that there would be because we didn't talk about anything that made any sense to anybody. No, I just but kind of was a bunch of broken of, thoughts. But now it sort of is making sense because one of the things I said was that people are always looking for something. People are always looking for something, and and for some reason it sounds like. Um, over the years, because we're talking here, Glenn, thousands and thousands of years, right? Yeah. Um, right? Over the years, people's wiles or people's, you know, uh, uh, needs and wants they 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 exceed to ebb and flow like tides, right? And so 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 you know, you you want to become more spiritual, you want to learn these wonderful things, you want to put some of these things that. Um, you know, so th this fellow, Jesus can, you know, his, his teaching, you put that into use, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then it swings the other way. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh, you can't be doing that. You've got to do this and that and the other thing. And it's all science and it's all something else. And then and it has to be zeros and ones. And then it swings the other way. It, it doesn't seem like any, it, it sounds like there may, I don't know if you could put your finger on a, on a spot in time where, er, where everything was in balance. Well, we, we, we have some writings that will give us a clue. For example, Hesiod, at the time of Homer, that's roughly 800 B.C., mm -hmm. who he wrote the famous treatise, The, the Theologica, mm -hmm. also spoke about ages of time before his own existence. He talked about four human civilizations prior to the coming of a famous man called Adam and his wife Eve. <laughs> Okay. Uh, and, and that they they flourished and they had science and they had religion, which is very similar, by the way, uh, very parallel to what we believe in our day and age in terms of religion. Uh, we, we're in the dark ages of silence. We may think we're in the we're in the because we have computer chips and drive nice cars and live in bigger houses. <laughs> we're somehow more advanced. The reality is we know less today about science, astronomy, and quantum mechanics than they knew. 
And I agree with that 100%. Glenn, let's take a quick break here, okay? Yeah. Because um, I need to process all this because it, it hurts, Glenn. You make my... my it's a good... Which is, this is a good... It's kind of yeah. like, kinda like a after good a good thing. hard workout, your it's muscles are sore, you know? It's like... It's a good pain. Get right? worse. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> all right, guys. This is Ghostly Talk. I'm Scott L. And I'm Doug. We'll be right back with more from uh, Glenn Kimball. Man, this is going to get heavy. I'll be back right... We'll be back after this. Yeah. Ghostly Talk! Hey, it's Wolfman Mac from Wolfman Mac's Nightmare Cinema. We're hanging out at the haunted winery here in Warren, Michigan with the good folks from Ghostly Talk. Oh, this place is creepy, man, but nowhere near as creepy as Wolfman Max Nightmare Cinema. It's a haunted drive-in, babies. And you know what we do there? We host classic B-horror and sci-fi movies, just like the ones you grew up with when you was a kid. And it's at Wolfman Max Nightmare Cinema right now, hosting on public access TV all over Metro Detroit. But guess what, kiddies? It's coming to you, and all you got to do is have a computer. Just go to Wolfman Max Nightmare Cinema. It's NightmareCinema.com. We'll be broadcasting the show real soon, right from the website. Stay tuned. It's Wolfman Max Nightmare Cinema. Bye. Nightmare Cinema. Beacons of Tomorrow presents Deconstructing Fireflies post-apocalyptic short story by the Ghostman and Demon Hunter shows Nathan Schoonover and Christy Peterson. Bees are real, birds are not. Deer heads rot on rooftops under the blazing sun. Chickens explode, and one stricken little boy searches in unlikely places for the souls of the mechanical animals his father creates. This unsettling tale is now available in the speculative fiction anthology Beacons of Tomorrow Second Collection. Buy your copy at TyrannosaurusPress.com, Amazon.com, Tower.com, and most online book retailers now. Beacons of Tomorrow, second collection. It's a vision of the future so grotesque, you won't be able to look away. Welcome to Paranormal News on Ghostly Talk Radio. Paranormal News is produced by Genesis Creations Entertainment. I'm your host, Bonnie Vance. San Diego Paranormal is an affiliate for Sideshow Collectibles and Collectibles Today. From the Munsters to Scary Movie and even Pirates of the Caribbean, we've got you covered. How about a statue of Elvira for your desk? Please go to www.sdparanormal.com and look for Sideshow Collectibles and Haunted Collectibles on the left-hand navigation bar. The ghost of assassinated San Francisco City Supervisor Harvey Milk haunts the site of the camera store he once owned, according to movie maker Gus Van Zandt. The director claims that Milk's spirit turned up on the set of the film when Van Zandt and his stars Sean Penn and James Franco recreated the Castro camera shop, which is now a gift shop. According to Van Zandt, during a shot at night, there was a take where they were using most of the room. There were three or four actors in the scene. Some people were sitting on the sofa, which is outside of the shot. During one of the takes, someone walked in from outside and sat down on the sofa. After the shot was over and Van Zant yelled cut, the spirit person apparently got up and walked out. The actors all saw the person. 
Van Zant didn't see anyone, but the actors kept describing someone who looked like Harvey Milk. The structure in which Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum is located in the nation's oldest city has not always been a Ripley's Believe It or Not. The building known as Castle Warden was built in the 1800s and is long believed to be one of the most haunted structures in the southeastern United States. There's definitely something in there, says a group known as the Peace River Ghost Trackers, and it's not very nice. The lead investigator readily admits her group is excited, but that their knees are knocking as they anticipate their big adventure at Castle Warden. For more information on these stories, please go to www.sdparanormal.com and the Paranormal News feed page. Don't forget, sign up for a free subscription to Paranormal News. Thanks for joining us today on Paranormal News. If you'd like to sponsor or advertise on Paranormal News, please send us an email at paraxnews at aol.com. You can listen to Paranormal News on Ghostly Talk Radio at www.ghostlytalk.com. Please check out their other fine shows. Or you can join us at paranormalnews.mypodcast.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Bonnie Vance. Hi there. When I need to quench my desire for the paranormal, only one thing can hit the spot. Mmm. I tune into Nightwatch with Todd Sheets. Accept no substitutes. When you need the real thing, tune in to Nightwatch, the only show that shudders and shakes and bumps in the night. And don't forget, Nightwatch is also available on iTunes for your portable paranormal pleasure. Nightwatch, paranormal radio for everyone. Why settle for less? Demand the best. Nightwatch. Mmm. Invoking the spirits to help you. But the forces they represent are so sinister and powerful. You shall be a toy in their hands.
So I still haven't recovered from the last half an hour. No, it was a fantastic half hour, and uh, and it continues with yeah, more from Glenn Kimball. The the website, yes. by the way, is www.kimballcollege.com. That's K-I-M-B-A-L-L college.com. All run together, no spaces yeah. or hyphens or anything. And uh, yes, we're talking about Jesus. Uh, his life and times, and before that, and after that, and all the, so the really secret things, the things that they just don't seem well, to tell the, you. The four is it the four ages of man, Glenn? Is that where we were talking about that before the break? Correct. That's correct. Let, let's get. Let, I don't even know where to start with that, but like, I mean, the four ages well, of man before our age, correct? Before you know, Adam and Eve. You mentioned this before. Am I on the right track here? I'm, I'm correct. That is correct. I, there was a, there was a real Adam and a real Eve. Okay. And they came to be the patriarchs of a final epoch of time, and they were promised to come. The the, the prophets and the soothsayers and the sages that were before uh, our age of time talked about their coming and being the patriarchs of a civilization that would final, finally end in a cataclysm mm-hmm. and that would usher in a final thousand years of peace, the, the only thousand years of peace that would exist at the end. But, you know, we have to kind of identify these four epics of time. Okay. And we can do that. This isn't perfectly accurate because there is nothing perfectly accurate that long ago. But there was a golden age. Uh, We don't know if that was two million years ago or a hundred million years ago. But that was largely begun by a partially mythological character in Greek mythology called Kronos. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the stories about Cronus are partially mythological and partially not. They're based on reality. Mm-hmm. Then there was a Silver Age that was between the, that happened after the fall of uh, the the Golden Age of Man when they didn't need cars to transport themselves. They had means of transportation beyond our capability in our day. They had. They, they, it was. They had segways, day. didn't they, Glenn? They had segways. They, they had, <laughs> yeah, they, they had the ability to spend one. And it was suggested they they only spent one day a month mm-hmm. in preparing their crops, and that fed their their people in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we we our, our, we think our ancestors had to spend all of their days sweating in the field. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and and in their day and age, they didn't need to. The Silver Age came after that. Then came the age of the Lemurians, uh, or the land of Mu, which has just in the last hundred years become a very popular topic as we found manuscripts describing this epoch of time and what happened, and, and writings from this epoch of time. And it's no accident that, for example, let's give you some antecedents for this, Ramulus and Ramus uh-huh. were, were the founders of where? Romulus and Remus, or yeah, that's the Roman age. Roman age, but these people were long before the Julius Caesar, and they settled in a place that had seven hills of Rome. But the seven hills of Rome were also similar to the seven isles of the blessed, spoken of at the destruction of the Lemurians. 
And then obviously the most recent being the one that Plato mentions, and by the way, Plato wasn't the first to mention it. Plato took his records from huge libraries which spoke prolifically about the the, the Atlanteans. The Atlanteans were primarily a civilization in the Mediterranean and, and, and toward the Atlantic Ocean. Uh -huh. The Lemurians were probably centered in the South China Sea uh, and in the East. And you kind of ask yourself one question. If if, in fact, we all came, uh, where are the largest populations in the world today located? India and China. Yep. That's correct. And, and, and wouldn't you think that maybe life was more prolific, they had more human beings there at one point in time than we did in the West? Isn't that logical to presume that when you find a lot of people someplace, they probably had a very deep and profound history? It, mm -hmm. it makes sense that yeah. they would have it, a huge, it, it, lengthy history, yes. Yeah. But it has a connection now with Jesus. Absolutely does. Because under the prophet Eber in the Old Testament, Eber, after which we call all Hebrews yes. Eber, he was the prophet. Of, everybody who calls himself an, an, a Hebrew is a descendant of this prophet Eber. He had two sons. One son was Joktan who went west and got mixed up with this Tower of Babel thing, uh -huh. uh, Nimrod type thing. Uh -huh. uh, but he had another son, Joktan, who went east to the larger populations who had survived the former cataclysm. And that's why Jesus sent missionaries after his death to the Far East. Some of the first above-ground Christian churches were built in China. Not in Jerusalem, not in Rome. The Nestorian Christians pre-existed Catholicism. And by the time of Kublai Khan, Kublai Khan sent Marco Polo. Marco Polo worked for Kublai Khan in roughly 1300 AD. Uh -huh. Marco, uh, Kublai Khan sent Marco Polo back to the Vatican with a little message. Marco Polo writes about this. The message was, I will, Kublai Khan says, I will send an army of mercenaries to help the Templars regain the Temple Mound if you'll do me one favor. And you know what the favor was that he asked? What was that? Send me 1,000 Christian priests. Ooh. Wow. Now, why would Kublai Khan want 1,000 Christian priests? To send to the Orient? Because he knew about him. You know, people like, uh, this is totally totally critical. We think that the oldest languages now, let's get another perspective, the oldest languages were Sanskrit and, and the Sumerian languages. Well, if you look at um, Zachariah Sitchin's material on the, on the Anunnaki, mm -hmm. if, you, if you look at the Sumerian exhibit that travels the world, you'll find that the statue of the Anunnaki, if you look at it and stare at it for a minute, you won't believe your eyes because it's a statue of a man nailed to a cross. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to look at that yeah. again. I'm going to have to look at that again. That's amazing. The statue of the Anunnaki, you say? Yeah, the statue of the Anunnaki, the powerful one, the one who communed with deity, the extraterrestrial in Zachariah Sitchin's world, but maybe not so much extra and terrestrial as universal, a higher civilization, mm -hmm. was this man who was predicted to come to be nailed to a cross. And the Sumerians didn't you practice crucifixion. 
That's ridiculous. Crucifixion did not exist until Julius Caesar in 56 B.C. Hmm. Why did they have the man nailed to the cross? Uh, we, we can trace all of our religious content, as well as our scientific discoveries, to things that people knew long before. Long before. How does knowledge get lost? Yeah. Is is it political? Is it is because obviously with four ages, you know, with you know varying different um, uh, ways of um, you know retaining knowledge. Because some people would have written it, written it down. Of course, nowadays we just blog it. Mm-hmm. But you know what? What would? How come knowledge like that gets lost and stories get edited or censored and not retold? Well, ask Hitler about how to burn a book. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, okay. but we're, we're no better than he is, because in our day and age, we want to extricate every single thing we do from anything that might have the slightest end of religious connotation to it. And so we are burning those books, we are banning them, we're shunning them, as if we somehow know better. We're at the top of the technological historical heap, and that our ancestors were nothing but hunter-gatherers or cavemen. Mm. And that is a preposterous lie. Well, that's arrogant, too, on our part. It is arrogant <laughs> it's on our part. very arrogant. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I, 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 I think we've done that a lot. Well, you know, this is old hat. We don't need this anymore. We have something better now. Let's burn this thing. We don't Get rid of it. It's garbage. Um, and I remember a time, I think in my life, where we acknowledged history. History was a big part of our education at one time. I, and it seems like it's being, you know, people, oh, the Civil War happened in Gettysburg. Well, we hear about those things because they're famous. <laughs> but, I mean, really, I mean, why is history taught? Why do people, why is it something that we have to learn in school? And the idea from when I was growing up was, look, we want you guys to learn about what happened in the past, so maybe some of these bad things that did happen won't happen again because we'll know better now, Yeah, right? but for some reason, our history starts in 1776. Well, yeah, and that's it. Instead of 10, billion, or yeah, 10 yeah. million years ago. America was started here, ago. and that's it. You know, we don't think yeah. of anything else. So it is arrogant to think like that. I agree, Glenn, that, you know, we don't need these things. We're technologically proficient as a race. We have computers. We have cars that can, you know, warm your butt while you're driving uh we have all these wonderful things when again i have to you know you mentioned this earlier we're no we're in fact we're we're worse off than we were before i think well there's there's little doubt to that effect and you know we uh, part of the reason why we bury things is just so that we can own them uh when they come out for example john wesley powell who was uh, selected by the smithsonian institute mm-hmm. to bring all the artifacts from Mesua from the middle part of the United States, from the Mississippi Valley to the eastern uh, 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 slopes of the Rocky Mountains. He was assigned to go out and collect all the artifacts and bring them back to the Smithsonian. He found in these burial mounds that you find all the way along there over 12,000 artifacts. you know what he did with those artifacts? Hmm. He didn't take them to the Smithsonian. He destroyed every single one of them. Wow. And he also founded... The National Geographic. <laughs> oh! And when I went to Egypt, they had yellow tape all the way around the places that Jesus and the Holy Family had gone, and this tape said, "Banned by the National Geographic Society." Wow. You're kidding me! I'm not kidding you. That's an absolute eyewitness report. I—they would not even let us take our cameras in there. 
They wanted to own all of this history, and the only book published that had the potentiality of embarrassing Jesus was a book called The Gospel of Judas. And guess who the publishers were? Who? The National Geographic. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Interesting. It sounds like there might be some um, it's starting conspiracy. To well, yeah. I mean, well, but again, why would... The, to own why? It, own it. Own, ownership is power in that case. Ownership is power, and if you own the copyright, then your book is the only book out there, and what you have to do in order to make your book important is to discredit everybody else's. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the nature of men. And pardon me, the National Geographic is not immune to that disease. The Talmud Emmanuel and the Gospel of Judas are both published by them, and both of them were an attempt, a blatant attempt on the part of the National Geographic to embarrass anything Christian. And I apologize, but and I don't mean to shame them, because many of the fawn on the floor things were things that I looked at when I was a kid and read all the time. Oh, yes, and, yeah. and they're great things, but uh, you, can't, you can't own it. You can't, it's almost like what the Rockefellers did with all of the uh, medical schools when they first came uh, be before the First World War. They bought all the medical schools up, over 600 of them, only left a few in existence because they couldn't be purchased. And what they did is they converted them, they, uh, they converted their entire curriculum into a uh, prescription-driven medicine, a Hippocratic medicine, where they could own the tablets and sell the tablets. I mean, the, the pills, the medications. Anything that was a homeopathic, anything that was that would help you, the people could find growing in the field, was discredited, uh, and only the pills that are approved by the FDA are legitimate uh, in terms of their approval ratings. Now we have, for example, within the last two years, a tremendous discovery in Africa, where an American group has has. Um, we featured uh, uh, as a gift to people who take the classes on my site uh -huh. a remedy called chlorine dioxide. If you use it in the right in the right um, uh, amounts and as directed, they they did se they tested seventy five thousand people who had the AIDS virus mm -hmm. in four weeks. All of or ninety eight percent of them were completely well. Wow. 56 countries have bought this remedy. 56 governments bought this remedy. The only one that we know that would not buy it is the American government because it has to go through $800 million worth of testing mm -hmm. and be passed by the FDA and wait for 15 years until they can figure out a way to make some money on it. Mm -hmm. Right, and that always... In, and that's that what it always comes down to when it comes to medicines. Political action committees and stuff like that yeah. is what that boils and down to. I don't to. mean to embarrass the Rockefellers, because if I was in business, I'd want to kill my competition too. But they, they in essence, put a corner on medicine. And, it, and you want to know why our medical costs are so high? It's because the, the things that we could use to make us well are are not approved well, I and have, discredited. I have to say, there's there's one thing that both uh, Scott and I just ran across that uh, evidently is part of uh, yoga. It's it's taught in the yoga traditions. Yeah. Um. We we had a, a an issue where we had very stuffed up noses. Oh due, God. Due to um, bacteria and stuff from carpeting at a hotel that was being torn apart. <laughs> and um, 
and and somebody said, why don't you just use a neti pot? Yeah. And so you go to the store, yeah. you get this neti pot. It's just this little thing, looks like a little tiny watering can, and you you put water and salt in it. It's like a little genie thing. I want to rub it and get a wish out of it. Pot. Yeah. You stick it up your nose, you pour the water through. Totally cleans you out 100%. It's no, called a sinus rinse. A sinus rinse. It's, there's no need to run to your, your ear, nose, throat doctor. There's no need to uh, buy expensive, you know, um, medicines or, or get them charged on your um, your health care insurance or anything. Yeah. There, you, you just simply pour salt water up your nose, and, and it cleans you out. You can breathe for several hours, and it's safe to do up to five times a day, I think it said on the Internet. Yeah. I'm, or at least according to, you know, yoga. Yeah, once so. a, they say once a day is the best thing for you. For um, maintenance, but if and you're it really clear, Yeah, Glenn, it cleared us both right out. We breathe so much better now. And that's, a, that's just a super recent reaction or, uh, you know, thing that we've had happen to us in our own daily lives. I wonder what kinds of things Jesus was talking about in his teaching and what kinds of things were taught to people back then that we don't know about now? Well, I, I have hepatitis C and I've had it since um, my Haight-Ashbury days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, and it, you know, when I moved to Arizona six years ago, I couldn't get out of the car. Uh -huh. And the last time, uh, four weeks ago, when I went to uh, the airport, they had to wheel me around a, an airport in a wheelchair. Well, I've started this chlorine dioxide thing uh, five weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I went out and played golf last weekend. Wow. Oh. Now, that may not be a big deal for some people, but it's a big deal to me. And it, this particular remedy completely cures 98% of hepatitis C. And there's a million five hundred thousand people in America that suffer from hepatitis C, including David Crosby, which I loved a lot. Uh, he, they gave him a week to live before he got his liver transplant. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to go back in January and get a clean bill of health after how many decades have I suffered from this silly, stupid disease when I could have cured it a long time ago. Mm -hmm. It cures malaria, anything to do with viral infections, kiss it off, you can get rid of it. And the countries are buying this to wipe out the plagues of the earth, all except America, which if you don't get it, past the FDA, no one's going to give you permission to put your good money down at the pharmacist and buy it. Exactly. Right. And I, that's been a big problem here for so many years. Uh, and I don't think, I don't, unfortunately, I don't see it slowing down anytime soon either. I mean, unfortunately, medicine is a business like anything else is. Big, like, big, big business. Like education is, and we wonder why our educational system has gone down. And I don't think chlorine <laughs> dioxide has a political action committee behind it. No, I don't. It, so. it doesn't. No, and, and, they, and I don't think they'll ever seek one. You know, they're just going to watch the world get well and let Americans die. Well, had, I, I have to say, had Oprah not been behind neti pots, I probably never would have heard about a neti pot either. Oh, she was the one that was behind it? No, no, no. Some lady said on one of her shows, you got to try this then if you're having a cold. Yeah. And so she did, and then she's like, wow, this really works. And that made it on YouTube, so now everybody, well, everybody who's interested in Oprah knows about it. Um, but I wow. And by, and, you need and by the way, yeah. Jesus, Jesus, uh, when when the Magi who we someday you got to have me back on the air and just, yeah. we had to talk about Magi. Uh, oh, I can't. Well, we didn't get through. We didn't get through a, <laughs> we a got, third. We got <laughs> we got through one, and then we talked briefly about the second order of yeah. business, and then nothing at all about the third. I don't know whether I'm long winded or you're long winded. Or <laughs> no, I think full of hot air. I, <laughs> <laughs> 
I think it's just you know this is fascinating. It's stuff fascinating and, stuff. And and I mean, there's a lot to cover. There's and a lot it's to really this. good to talk about. No, it's it good really to get is. it out in the open and and start thinking and and look some of this stuff up on the internet. Go to go to www.kimballcollege.com. And there's a whole list of things. It's going to be amazing. I no, mean, we if, have 93 classes now that you can take. 93. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's and, awesome. And, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. I believe it. Well, I was going to ask you, because we only got like another minute here, Glenn. What What do you have in the future besides getting a clean bill of health? Anything else coming up with you as far as Kimball College is concerned? Well, I I have a little bit of a problem because I went to James Gilliland's ranch. I'm, I think you know who he is. I, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I sat there for three days with him, and um, I actually saw a UFO. Oh, that scared them. That changed my. I mean, I've always theoretically thought it was probable, uh-huh. but I actually, with my eyeballs, along with fifty other people, and we had cameras on it. I'm going to come out with with our own DVD, which actually shows you what I saw. Oh, wow! Well, that it was over a mile long, and it was floating across the sky. And at a particular moment of time, the cor- corners folded in, and it went through some sort of a wormhole and went bye-bye. See, and you know what fascinates me is, what the you know, obviously seeing a UFO is pretty cool, right? But, yeah, yeah. But what fascinates me is, you know, you had said yourself, uh, Glenn, you had said that, um, you know, there's a probability that they exist and that it was there, uh-huh. you know, but, but then you actually saw one. I mean, to go from one thing where, you know, oh, I don't know, you know, but... To, to the other where, oh, my goodness, this yeah. is, you know, There's this is totally there. Um, you know, that's something that I think a lot of people need to do. They need to open up and listen to um, listen to our own history that Glenn has gone through and, and, and researched mm-hmm. for, for literally his life uh-huh. and, and put up there at, at, at KimballCollege.com and, yep. and keep your mind open. Glenn did, and now he's on a whole new... You yeah. know, DVD Holy kick because of because uh, of the completely. the UFO they saw. That's Glenn, one of that's wow. one of ten we're doing simultaneously. <laughs> Amazing! You, Glenn, you're a hardworking man. We well, yeah, definitely <laughs> bring you back on again, Glenn. We of course, you know, an hour never does anything justice. We have to, you know, it's I, so it's, tough. It's but, well, I'm an eyewitness to your programs, fond as can be. Oh, thank you, thank you very thank much, thank you so much, Glenn. Hang on the line for one second. Don't leave us. We're just going to go to break here. Hang tight, okay. All right, anyways. Yes. Uh, wow. Oh, that was fantastic. KimballCollege.com, everybody. And yeah. that's linked up, of course, permanently at GhostlyTalk.com. Yes, yeah. Uh, coming. Now, that... Coming... That, I know. If that wasn't enough for you... It's going to be one of them marathon shows If that shows wasn't enough here. for you, you know, go get your uh, your caffeinated beverage or something because... I'm going to. Coming up next, uh, Dr. Robert Schock returns to Ghostly Talk. We're going to talk about... Wow. Well, uh, you know what? I, I have a list here a mile long. What I don't know I how we're going to talk about it. But it's it's... Parapsychology. It's it's everything, everything about the paranormal, and Dr. Robert Schock is into it, and you know what? We are too. So we'll talk about that coming up right after this. Miss a live broadcast? Feel free to download it direct from the on-demand archives at ghostlytalk.com. Paul with the SEPS Paranormal Podcast. 
Check us out twice a month where we will be discussing our most recent paranormal investigations here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. You can find us at www.sepsparanormal.podshow.com or go to our website, sepsparanormal.org. Or you can subscribe through iTunes. Just type in Seps Paranormal in the search field. Come by and check us out. Do you want to dive into the bizarre world of the paranormal? Do ghosts, UFOs, or the supernatural amaze you to the point of wanting to learn more? Then you need BVRN, the Black Vault Radio Network. With more than 750 hours of on-demand talk radio, syndicated from more than 35 shows, the Black Vault Radio Network is your one-stop shop for the world of the unexplained. Check us out and tune in 24 hours a day www.blackvaultradio.com Again, that's www.blackvaultradio.com
do believe in spooks. I do, I do, I do believe in spooks. Yeah, I'm ready. This is going to be a super amazing packed hour coming up. Um, I'm pumped. I am too. This music like it's the music. It's like yeah, just it's I'm, I'm pumped. What do we got? What do we got? Oh yeah, ooh, book yeah, book giveaway. Yeah, book giveaway. We're tr- we're trying to clean out our shelves right now. 8:08 p.m. Eastern time. Um, email in first person to email in gets the book. What's the book done? What we have for you is making your goals a reality. By legendary celebrity psychic Kenny Kingston. Oh, that's a, and it's a fun book. To Valerie Porter. And, uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, Kenny Kingston, we've had him on the show. Great guy. Great guy. A lot of fun. Uh, good to talk to. Making your goals a reality, and uh, in this day and age, people need to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like getting out of debt, uh, <laughs> keeping employed, the basics. I want to get out of my arm. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I want to get on my arm, exactly. Email it. Uh, what is it? Scott, Scott L. L at ghostlytalk.com. First yeah. person to email in gets the book. Excellent. What do we got, Doug? Now, I'm going to read this as quickly as possible because we've got to get on to this. Oh, uh, yes, we do. Cause oh, this is amazing. Dr. Robert uh, Schock is a full-time faculty member at the College of General Studies at Boston University since 1984. He earned his Ph.D. in geology and geophysics at Yale. Uh, Shock has been quoted extensively in the media, and that is absolutely true. Oh, yeah. Since we talked to him last time, I've seen his name over and over. Oh, my goodness. Uh, in the media for his pioneering research, recasting the date of the Great Sphinx of Egypt. As Which well, we talked to him about last oh, yeah. time he was here, in depth. As well as for his work on ancient cultures and monuments in such diverse countries as Peru, Bosnia, Egypt, and Japan. Now, what we're talking about today, though, Ooh. is about the parapsychology revolution. Ground in scientific acumen and constructive inquiry, this anthology shines a rare, clarifying light on the controversial realms of uh, psychical and paranormal research, collecting key reports, essays, and arguments for more than a century of investigation into matters such as clairvoyance, telepathy, and poltergeist activity. The website is www.robertshock.com. That's Robert, S-C-H-O-C-H dot com. And, of course, that's already permanently linked up at ghostlytalk.com. <laughs> and we talk about uh, Dr. Shock so much already, but uh, so you probably have it in your in your bookmark. Yeah. But robertshock.com. We're going to talk about the parapsychology revolution. Welcome back to Ghostly Talk, Dr. Shock. 
Well, thank you very much. I can't tell you how happy I am to have you back, sir. <laughs> I really, I really mean that. Um, I appreciate that. I, I uh, the work you, you know, and I don't want to dwell on the, the Sphinx, but the work you did on the Sphinx, I oogled last time, and I'm going to oogle again. I think it's some of the most fantastic work I've ever well, seen. Absolutely. Well, and and one of the things is though, when when you when you dated, the, you know, you're. Uh, Produced the date for the Great yeah. Sphinx of Egypt, and 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 that like totally tickles Scott L's, uh, you know, vein of interest, mm-hmm. right? Then, what was that, Doctor Shock? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. And then you go into parapsychology revolution, which uh, you know is talking about clairvoyance, telepathy, poltergeist. Uh, it, it just that's totally right up, you know, my in my realm of interests in in uh, parapsychology. So what happens is you're you're definitely uh, multifaceted mm-hmm. in that in that case. <laughs> I, oh, thank you. So, what else? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're both such fascinating topics. I mean, mm. you know that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And you know, one of the things that we get to do uh, because of Ghostly Talk, because we're you know running around doing this kind of stuff, is mm-hmm. we, we get invited to things sometimes. And and one of the things that we just did, I mean, it was just back on Halloween night, uh-huh. is mm-hmm. we had we were invited to a, a, a seance kind of thing. Uh, it uh, it was billed as a um, a Harry Houdini seance even though the official ones have ended, you know, that kind of thing. Right. But right. Um, the psychic, uh, the psychic fellow, uh, as a matter of fact, psychic Ken from Ken Berg. Chicago, Ken, Ken Berg, mm-hmm. he, Ken Berg. he wanted to run it as close to some of the spiritualism uh, seances that, that you would hear, the kind that Harry Houdini ran around and and, and debunked as much as possible, right? right? right. And, and, of course, those were filled with... Um, uh, uh, you know, trumpets and you know things you don't see in this kind of setting anymore. But yeah. trumpets and and trying to do the the, the automatic writing and and of course uh, no, you know nobody had any ectoplasm up here. But you know that, that's the kind of setting that he tried to create in this thing. And and you know unfortunately I I don't think anything happened personally to me. But it was right. a really interesting thing to step back in time like that. Yeah. And it sounds yeah. like you went back in time and. Stuff studied all kinds of stuff oh, yeah. from just yeah. that heyday and, and even before. So what Yeah, it was it was an incredible time. I mean the whole seance heyday and whatnot. Um but even before that, before that classic heyday of seances in the very late nineteenth century, um the classic period of what I would call the beginning of serious studies of the paranormal. Mm. Um, I mean, they did a lot of, there was a lot of nonsense, but there was a lot of um, very serious work being done. And um, how would you know that early in the game, do you think? I mean, if if you sat down and you said, you know what, uh, I've heard of people who are able to, you know, read people's minds, or I've heard of people who are able <laughs> to heal themselves. That was a big one with mesmerism, you know. Yeah. Right, exactly. A, a, you know, someone mesmerized a surf or something, and right, then he suddenly could right. heal himself. A, uh, you know, I heard all these things. I, I have this theory. I have this theory that it's coming from a power called Zoo. <laughs> I don't know. And then how do you prove it? And then what do you do? I mean, how, how, you know, I, they they had to be like yeah. it, it just had to be a heyday back then, or a or a, a free for all kind of thing. And and you had to have some really wacky ideas along with the well, you had to have, yeah, maybe so. But also what what um, they did actually in the 19th century. This brings up an interesting point. I'm not sure if you were driving it or not. Um, but in the late 19th century, something that was developed and developed very much for analyzing pair 
paranormal phenomena, what we would now call paranormal phenomena, is something that people don't realize this is where it came from in large part, but they use it all the time for everything else, and that is sophisticated statistics. Mm-hmm. Statistical analysis, probability, mm-hmm. that type of thing. Yeah. Certainly it was around before, but actually a lot of it was developed um, to analyze uh, what we would now call paranormal phenomena. So you had situations, for instance, um, in the late 19th century where people collected what are known as crisis apparitions. Mm-hmm. You know, when someone dies, your yeah. grandmother dies, and you're hundreds of miles away, and you think you see her ghost. Yeah. And it turns out her ghost appears at the foot of your bed exactly when... Um, it turns out she died. And, you know, it's one thing nowadays to try to claim that with cell phones. You call people, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. right. but, back, but back then, actually, in some ways, we have better data um, because then you, things were, in some cases, documented in writing before the, the person could have actually known their grandmother died, mm-hmm. you know, because they didn't have the mass type of communication. And some of the very early researchers in the 1870s, 1880s, um, they collected very well-documented cases like that. Um, they looked at pop- the population as a whole statistically. How many times do people just randomly hallucinate things? Was the probability that their random hallucinations would correspond with something real? Mm-hmm. You see where I'm going with yeah. this? Yeah. And they developed actually some very sophisticated um, mathematical and statistical techniques to try to sort out what was real, what is not real, um, could there really be something going on here? And those same techniques to this day are now applied routinely in, say, medical analysis, all kinds of scientific analysis, business analysis. Um, so that shows how, how strong they are, but they actually originated looking at what we now call paranormal phenomena. And I can believe that because if you're, if you're studying something, and, and it's all, at the time, everything was relatively new. I'm sure people had heard stories, you know, exactly. grandma saw a ghost, you know, or whatever. But, exactly. But, but this was the first, like, real big push into, into studying it, you know, with the SPR in England and, and exactly. other the things SPR like that. Exactly, SPR, yeah, Society for Cyclical Research. Mm-hmm. Right, and exactly. so they tried to formalize it and they tried to, you know, bring in these mediums and psychics and, and actually study. So, so they exactly. needed a way to know, am I barking up the wrong tree? Does, exactly. does this exactly. need more, nor, more research or should I abandon this road and try, oh, as, <laughs> I, as I hit Scott in the face, um, yeah, <laughs> or, yeah, or exactly. abandon a different, and, and go toward in, in this other direction and Statistics would be a very useful tool for them. So exactly, I can see that. that's, that's, that's exactly what they found. And uh, like I said, a lot of this, sti- what we now take for granted, um, you know, in statistical analysis, was actually developed because you do have a situation where it's very hard to tease out what is real, what is not. Um, what is just a chance coincidence, as they used the term back then, mm-hmm. was coincidental. Um, and yeah, it becomes very important. They also tried very early on, and a lot of people don't realize how early on some of these serious researchers were looking at um, trying to induce paranormal phenomena in laboratory settings, not just seance settings, but you know, as controlled conditions as possible. Um, for instance, taking a medium, getting information from them or supposed information, seeing how well that correlates statistically with real information that you knew the medium or you had to control the medium did not know otherwise. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so they, they were incredibly, and one thing I found in studying it and going back into history is that 
Um, it wasn't just a lot of woo-woo, as some people would say. They were, <laughs> they were very sophisticated in teasing out the real data. Well, it's interesting, even on a grassroots level today, that, you know, it's one of the things that keeps coming up. It's like, well, we're trying to find a pattern somewhere. And this exactly. is from, like, you know, John and Bill's ghost hunting group, you know, in, in Ohio somewhere. I mean, right. it's something that comes up, and I, you know, I wasn't aware that a lot of these statistical processes and functions we have come as a result, it sounds like, of people trying to find out, you know, that's a paranormal exactly phenomena. It. That's, that's right. That's right. Well, they didn't have a, much of a stock market back then. Well, so no. They, <laughs> so, they, so they're like, why should we invent statistics? You well, know? yeah. So, they, so they, they're like, all right, well. Yeah, no, it's actually, you, you hit upon it, though. It's a classic need. You invent things when you need them. And yeah. to tease out this type of information and to... You know, take it to try to take it seriously and see if there is something real to it. You need um, uh, tools like that, including statistical tools. One interesting thing that I had run across probably what four year, three or four years ago is John um, from uh, Lansing. Um, oh, John Statler. John Statler. spent the weekend with him two weeks yes, ago. Yeah, I know, and I blanked there, but he gave me a book called. Um, uh, trait days parapsychology or something and and it's it's uh you know a treaty of parapsychology it's a mm -hmm. it's it's a book it, it was originally in french but i of course didn't read the french one <laughs> i, I mm -hmm. couldn't do that i i had to read the the translation <laughs> but um i remember that book as being first of all very difficult to read um uh, because it was it, it was essentially a um a compilation of all kinds of different you know theories that they had uh uh, come up with up until the 19, I think it was the 50s or the 60s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was the report on some, you know, meeting that, that everybody had, like in Moscow or something. I, I don't remember <laughs> right. exactly. But they, or Warsaw, Warsaw, Poland. Uh, everybody went to Warsaw or something and, and they, and they wrote this incredible history of, um, of parapsychology. And, I remember reading some of the experiments that just don't seem to ha have much of a following nowadays. You know, they they did, you know, experiments in clairvoyance and yeah. telepathy and uh, psychokinesis. <coughs> and, uh, of course, at, at the time, everybody believed that there was this force underlying everything that uh, uh, that you can't detect with your eyes or with any meters or anything that 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 a, a psychic medium or something is able to control yeah. and it was all about you know physical mediumship. right nowadays everybody's all into the you know mental mediumship the oh you know your your loved one loves you still you know oh yeah like yeah that. the classic <laughs> medium type thing yeah and and uh but what i'm wondering is how we'll bitch about that in a little while yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i like i'm right there on my to-do list um no the the I kind of miss that. I miss the experiments, the formal experiments, the the building of rooms. They they describe where they would build rooms, and in order to take a a, a medium in and have him or her uh, do something phenomenal, you know. Right. They, they would really, really. These are people who were really dedicated to this. Right, right. Nowadays, it's more of a hobbyist kind of thing. I know a few institutions are still doing. Re, you know, hard research, but it's more of a hobbyist thing now. Yeah, yeah. No, unfortunately, this is actually you're here upon something else. There's there's been a dearth of funding. You know, any kind of for serious research. Mm -hmm. 
Um, there's just not a whole lot. Um, you may be familiar with the um, Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research Labs. And yeah, and they shut, they they just closed down. They shut that down. Yeah. They just shut down. Um, I mean, ostensibly because Bob John, who um, who really started and ran it, um, you know, for uh, over a quarter century, um, retired. But I mean, realistically, the funding's not there. There's just not a lot of funding. Um, the uh, Ryan Research Center, which used to be the parapsychology labs at Duke University, then yeah. split off. Uh -huh. They are still in existence, but they are struggling so badly oh, yeah. for money. Um, I was going to name another one, Kessler Parapsychology Unit, University of Edinburgh in Scotland. They're, they're, they're sort of making, you know, they're struggling along too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very much a situation where the funding for whatever reason, um, just has not been there systematically. And it seems the opposite, though, of what I would expect, because it seems to me that as peop more and more people are paying attention to this stuff, and, and people are paying attention yeah. because of, you know, books like, like the ones you're writing, books uh, or TV shows, and 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 oh, the whole month of October, you turn on any cable channel. Oh, yeah, absolutely, and, absolutely. And nowadays, there's somebody with their night vision camera. Every, 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 every <laughs> show is, is green, <laughs> in but, white, man. It's driving me yeah, crazy. Yeah, but you know, there's a tension there. This is something I see. There's a big tension there between, and I don't want to sound the wrong way, but between um, very serious researchers who, um, you know, when you're researching these types of things seriously, uh, you end up not only confirming in some cases what people want to believe, but also um, debunking. Oh, things. God, yeah. yeah. And, you wow. know, you debunk on a regular basis. And, I mean, you know, that's, that's a legitimate, well, I'll call legitimate debunking, because there's also the skeptics with the capital S who debunk everything. <laughs> whether, you know, so that's a whole other story. They wear the capital S well, on Dr. their Shuck, shirt. Uh, yeah, yeah but, but, but on their hand, you know, when someone, their, their whole, you know, they, they, they're so tied up with something emotionally, and then you have some very mundane explanation for it. Yeah. You know, it, 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 well, it you know, I, you, you don't, I mean, it's a very unpleasant situation to be in. Oh, completely. But, well, I have a very um, personal... But it doesn't lend itself to people donating money for the cause. Well, that's <laughs> true. But I have a personal story where that happened. I mean, I, I went out and I checked out this, this uh, light or whatever that was supposed to appear, you know, and it was supposed to be the, you know, the somebody searching for the head of their daughter or something who was killed uh -huh. or something alongside of a road. Well, anyway, we, we found out, you know, through not very much experimentation, it didn't take all that much, yeah. but uh, we found out that it's just lights on a road about a mile away, and the way we, right. we tested it was... I stood there in the middle of this supposedly haunted road all by myself in the dark yeah. with a cell phone with a signal that was dropping in and out. In the, in the country. And I, in the country with nobody what around. What you doing out here, boy? And I sent, I sent my friend <laughs> to that road about a mile away in, in, in his yeah. car, and then I had him flash his lights. And then he right. It was kind of creepy, you know, experimentation, but sure enough, it was, it, I saw him flashing his well, lights, and I'm like, there yeah. you go. And I was depressed. Uh, not depressed, but I was let let down, you know, because I oh, yeah. I didn't want it to be a mundane explanation. You didn't want it to be a mundane explanation. Well, no, right. Right. And like, then I couldn't set up the Moody's Light, uh, or yeah. not Moody's Light, yeah, Moody's yeah. Light, you know, fund or anything. Another great example, yeah. really quick, is that, you know, Dr. Shutt, this, 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 I think this paints a picture on um, what we talked about perfectly, because a couple friends of ours that are local here, that, uh -huh. are, that are into the paranormal, and just to give just to give you, you know, one of them's a chemical engineer, 
He's a mm-hmm. mad scientist. We love oh, him. Yeah, he's, he's a mad he's scientist, right? Yeah. Um, and the other gentleman um, is a, is he he fixes air like seven forty the Boeing seven forty sevens. He works uh-huh. on these machines. This is what he does for a living. You know, ten hours a day. Um, so regardless of say, these are a couple of sharp guys. Let's just I right. think it's obvious. Um, and there was an investigation we were well, they were on. And they explained it to me. Um, and the one who works on airplanes, he has a very, very firm uh, education and understanding of electrical engineering, too. Um, so they were doing some work in this, in this area, and the EMF meter spiked in an area. Right. Oh, and my God. And everybody gets excited because oh, yeah. there's a ghost here. We found a ghost. It was so right. great. Um, and these two gentlemen, our friends, said, okay, let's look around here. And they actually did some, you know, pulled some ceiling tiles out of the ceiling and saw there's fluorescent lights running through here, okay? Oh, gosh, yeah. And they, Probably, and they yeah. explained this over and over again to these people, but they would not believe that. Right, exactly. They, they fought them. They're like, look, you know, we're serious researchers here, and this is not the real deal, right? So there's exactly. one of those situations you were talking about, I mean, right down to the bone, Dr. Shock. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the same thing happened um, over 100 years ago, because when I, I, you may or may not be aware of this, when the SPR, the Society for Psychical mm-hmm. Research, was founded in the 1880s, 1882 initially, um, a lot of what they called back then, and they still use the term spiritualists, were involved mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. And they were absolutely, you know, this was going to be the end-all and be-all for them because this society would prove spiritualism, prove all their beliefs, et cetera, et cetera. And they were, I mean, you know, incredibly upset when some of their favorite mediums were put to the test ah. and found to be, frankly, frauds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, not all of them, but some of them were. And, you know, then there was actually a big... um uh, should we say, uh, uh, semi-revolt within the SPR only a few years into its um, existence where a bunch of spiritualists pulled out, and when they pulled out, they pulled out a lot of their money, of course, mm-hmm. um, and didn't want to fund an organization that would even dare question their favorite um, mediums. That sounds uh-huh. like a lot like a Microsoft study. So all I'm saying is this, you know, this type of thing is nothing new. Microsoft um, and repeatedly finds, <laughs> you know, they, they fund these wonderful studies about Linux, and then uh-huh. it says, oh yeah, Linux runs perfectly, they go, oh, well, we don't want to hear about that. <laughs> that's right, and, that's right, let's try it again. Well, this kind of thing, it's just history repeating itself. You oh, know? Yeah. Exactly, um, exactly, exactly. <laughs> And well, and just like you were saying, the people with the fluorescent lights, they didn't want to, right? They didn't want to believe that they're. Um, you're wrong. You're be. wrong. No, there's yeah, a ghost yeah. here. We know there's a ghost here. Right, right. And that's just like the SPR people, um, the spiritualists who would pull out. They say, no, we know that this guy is good. He couldn't be committing fraud, et cetera, et cetera, despite the clear evidence. Oh my God! Yeah. Well, and yeah, some so of I it, mean, yeah, nothing's changed, huh? In that <laughs> <reason>. <laughs> Definitely. But some people, you know, and and I don't blame people for wanting to believe, you know, and yeah. and 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 even believing. I don't blame them for believing. No, it's a wa- hey, you gotta but have somebody something. shows you. You really do need to keep an open mind both ways. Exactly. Well, I mean, you there know? are things to believe in, in the sense that there are things, um, you know, certain paranormal aspects that have been demonstrated, in my opinion. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're all all correct. Uh-huh. Um, a classic analogy, this is, goes back uh, over 100 years too, is that um, you know, back back in the old days money was real, like gold coins right. were oh, real yeah. gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and so the point is that, you know, 
just because you get um, a, a piece of money in your change, like a gold coin, and then you find out when you take it home that it's plated, it's it's fake. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Counterfeit. That doesn't mean all money is counterfeit. No, well, you that's get the point. True. Just because one person commits fraud doesn't mean it's all fraud. That's true. Exactly true. Why don't we take a quick break here, Dr. Shot? Because, I mean, I'm losing my voice here. I'm getting so revved up on this thing. Uh, yeah, let's do let's do a quick break here for a couple minutes. Chill out. Uh, we're talking to Dr. Robert Shock, And this is just like, oh. oh. <laughs> you walk away from... You know, I am so glad that, two, you know, 2008, we, we get to do all these different things again. We get to talk... We got to talk again to uh, Glenn, Glenn Kimball. Yeah. We're talking to uh, Dr. Robert Shock again. This is just... Uh, yeah. The... the the end of this year is definitely proceeding very well. Thanks to your planning, Scott. Oh well, thank you very much. Dude. Meanwhile, we're gonna go. We're gonna go take the quickest break we possibly can uh, dig up. Get so we can get back this. to yeah. this. And meanwhile, I want you to go into your browsers and type in www.robertshock.com. That's Robert S C H O C H dot com. Or of course, it's been permanently linked up at ghostlytalk.com. Yeah, check that uh, out for a while and uh, uh, bring that up. And uh, we're gonna be back right after this. Shadow government, strange rituals, new world Shadow order, governments, strange buried treasures, planetary mind out there. It's a strange world. Visit OutThereRadio.net for more information. Interested in ghosts, UFOs? How about the occult? Are you psychic? Would you like to find out? Well, if you're intrigued by the world's curiosities and all that is paranormal, then Paralore.com is a place for you. Create your own profile, start a photo album, write a blog, or just hang out and watch countless hours worth of paranormal videos while chatting with other Paralore members. Who knows? You could win a prize or two if you're quick and brave enough. It's all here, and it's all free. Visit www.paralore.com and join today. Again, membership is free, and we know you won't be disappointed. Paralore.com. Unlock your mind.
When you flashed, I saw what looked like a figure standing in the hall. Okay, this is Dream Team. We're ready for EVP sweep. That is weird. These cameras don't do this. Water supposedly will come off and on in various rooms. So our EMF meter started this campaign. You're listening to the number one source for paranormal evidence brought to you firsthand by real investigators in the field. No hoaxes, no disinformation. You're listening to The Ghost Project. I found myself face-to-face with someone or something that was attempting to play with my psyche as well as my physical being. How sure are you of that? I'm 100% sure of that. Problemo, no problemo. Um, <laughs> We're just complaining about our liner music before we come. Back. No, no, I would say no. Wee, that's great stuff. We feel like dancing. <laughs> well, yeah. All the music on Ghostly. Somebody starts singing some lyrics about teen angst right now. All like, the music on Ghostly Talk is independently <laughs> produced. Right. I highly recommend it. Yeah. We're talking to Dr. Robert Shock. Uh, WWE. We were. I don't know if he's still here. Yeah, now. unless he hung up <laughs> on us. <laughs> Uh, the website is www.robertshock.com. That's yes. Robert, S-C-H-O-C-H.com. Of course, it's linked up at our site. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow, we're talking about parapsychology with Robert well, Shock. I, I, the thing is... We're talking about the paranormal on a whole new level, I think, with Dr. Robert Shock. It's, it's, exactly. It's, you know, it, it, this is so, this book and, and the points that we're hitting here tonight and the stuff we're going to hit... When I was going through this stuff, I'm like, this is like something at a whole different level, you know. Right. It's you know, aside from like, well, you know, we're going to go out there and test this theory. This I mean, isn't this the is, 101 level. No, this is <laughs> like a, a whole different game we're playing here, where we're actually thinking about everything that's being done here, and we're learning about some really cool history too, which really just you know, as far as statistics and things like that's concerned. Right. I had no idea about that. Right. You know, so we're learning here. Fascinating stuff. Where do we want to go from here, though? I mean, well, I, I, you know, what's interesting is I, I, I want. Wanted to, uh, I wanted to start out this half hour with a totally different question. And I even told you guys what yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah, we've been but, warned. <laughs> but I want to, I want to backtrack just a little bit okay. because I, I read this. Uh, you know, here's the thing. We talked about the Great Sphinx, right, a couple years ago with Doctor Shock, yeah. with Doctor Shock, and 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 how and the dating of it, and how you know how the 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 water flows and the erosion and all. It was you know, it, and, and very scientific, a lot of very stuff very, too, yeah. and 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 of course. You know that that is fascinating, right? Yeah. How do you go from that? <laughs> okay, from because that, that's science. I mean, you you can go into many many books and open up the, these books and say, you know, the, this is how water erodes things over time, and this is how this happens. And there was a f- you can tell if there's a f- been a flood by looking for these signs, and and you know you can take samples and you can do this and you can you know. So okay, there there's science, right? Yeah. And yes, there's a lot of. Uh, give and take with science as well, because people have arguments in, in almost anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the sky may or may not be blue that day. But um, 
how do you go from that to parapsychology? Is <laughs> I mean, I, I think I we're love I think it. that's the yeah. I mean, we're totally. Uh, the, I think this is towards Doctor Shock. Am I correct? Yeah, this okay. question is uh, for Doctor Shock because yeah. because it just seems. I mean, it, it, I believe I believe everything's related. I think everything yeah. is interrelated, but not everybody does. And if you were talking to you know. Uh, some Egy- you know Egyptian science or science an Egyptologist an Egyptologist that, yeah. they they'd probably say yeah well you know all that ghost stuff and moving things with your mind and it, are you reading my mind right now and they'd probably point their finger at you or or do one of them hand <laughs> signals like <laughs> talk to the hand you know because it it just it doesn't seem to flow and and I I love it that that you've done this but how do you leap over to parapsychology that way. Well, actually, um, I, I don't see as much of a leap at all because getting into all the um, ancient monuments, Egyptian monuments, the Great Sphinx, the Great Pyramid, all that type of stuff. I mean, one, you talked about Egyptologists. One thing, honestly, they cannot explain is why these structures were built. Yes, mm-hmm. they have their theories, but um, frankly, they're not real compelling. Uh-huh. And um, something I found, this is a short answer to a big question. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, something I found, I mean, consistently is throughout the world when you have similar types of structures, um, you know, these megalithic temples, these um, ancient um, huge, you know, generally they're made out of huge blocks of stone, whether they're pyramids, whether they're other types of temples and structures. Yeah. And there tend to be traditions um with them consistently, and again here we're talking about patterns, we talked before about patterns and pattern recognition, but traditions that have a lot of similarities that these structures were used for some kind of ritual purposes, initiation purposes, um, that included what we might call altered states of consciousness, raising consciousness, um, going into realms, um, that we would label as paranormal. Mm. And so you get these consistent patterns. Um, now, is this just a folk tales? Is just fairy tales? Is just things people make up consistently, even though they're in different parts of the world? Or could there be something real to it? Um, so that's where I really got started in some ways. Well, um, and by and saying that, the, I'm sorry. The challenge is to look at this, look at it. Okay, so let's look at it skeptically, but with an open, objective um, eyes. Okay. Could there be something to it? Well, by saying that, that makes perfect sense. I yeah, mean, and I and I, think, <laughs> and I too am. I think everything's yeah. interrelated. Because in I mean, way. you know, the people come at things like the Great Pyramid. Um, you put all this time and energy and effort into it. Um, why? And I think that's a valid question, but I think the why may have been totally overlooked. Um, well, it has to be. So, I think they were going to make everyone the, else. They're yeah. going to make the largest Starbucks in ancient <laughs> civilizations, <laughs> right, right. and well, then the, the, the stock yeah, fell. Yeah, you know. With the Great Pyramid, I think you know. It, the answer to that, not, well, not, I can't answer that Yeah, what's the answer, Scott? Yeah, I'll tell you. I'm going to straighten this out right here tonight. Uh, no, what, it has to be something, a, a structure like the Great Pyramid, because it's, it's my bread and butter, we all know that, but, uh, you know, and I've spent many a time, many of my time sitting just like, you know, thinking this thing through, and it has to be something, uh, to build a structure of that magnitude, we, we know the specs, we know how big this thing is. Right. It has to be the idea to... I'm echoing like crazy here. I know here too. The idea to build something that big, it has to be bigger than ourselves. The the, right. the it has to be something bigger than ourselves to go through all that trouble like you were just saying, Doctor Shock. Right, exactly. It's not just a tomb for uh, a pharaoh. 
Uh-huh. It, it has I mean, you know, it, it, that's a secondary structure. You know, that's a secondary use fine, so yeah. be it. Um, but it's just like, you know, I, we probably talked about this last time I was yeah. on. I don't remember um, now. But, you know, I a lot of times use the analogy of cathedrals in medieval <laughs> Europe. You know, yeah. these cathedrals are not primarily tombs, yeah. even though you might feel find a few people buried there. They were for something else, what we would tend to call religious, spiritual, etc. And actually something, and this is another portion of the answer to your question, yeah. I think a lot of religious experiences, a lot of what became later solidified as organized religions um, actually came out of genuine paranormal experiences. At least that inspired them in part. And that's true. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of things that I saw when I was, you know, a kid that were, you know, here's a, you know, a, a religious, you know, some religious figure, you know, with some bizarre thing going on right. in the background. And, and so there, these stories, I think, developed along along those lines. Well, we're talking about Jesus for the, la- the last well, hour. And I mean, a lot of the things, the stories that came from him were things that were paranormal type things in nature. They were otherworldly yeah. things. Well, now they're paranormal. Back then, he, I, I believe they were um, not scientific, but they were just normal. Okay, right. <laughs> that, that, I think that was part. But of But they the were argument. strange, nonetheless. Well, they're strange to us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, right. speaking. Oh, of- I mean, if you, it, it's been very watered down. It's been very, um, you know, the, for instance, what now passes is the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I didn't, didn't mean to get into religion or specific no, that's okay. religion. But since you bring it up, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you look at. The, the New Testament and the, quote, miracles and that type of thing, yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly they've been modified, they've been censored, etc., but there's plenty of examples, essentially what we would call telepathy uh-huh. in it, and, you know, other things that fit into the more general pattern of what has been demonstrated, in my opinion, and we make that case in the parapsychology revolution, um, has been demonstrated to be phenomena that um, in some cases can be absolutely real. And, and I don't want to sound the wrong way, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the person it's happening to or the people involved are, you know, are are um, uh, you know gods or anything like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I am. In, I'm not. I'm not knocking Jesus, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I am in awe of your of your segue abilities, and that's probably why. Thanks for we, yeah. Thanks for have, keeping us on. Track. We have absolutely horrible segue abilities. So I'm yeah. Gonna, so long we keep in fine tradition here. I'm I'm I know where you're going. Dive into that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, thanks for thanks for going oh, along. Oh wait, with no, no, no! I got one. I got one, Doctor Shock. Um, in addition to making miracles listed in the Bible, mm-hmm. of what practical use? <laughs> well, the, the, here we go. This is what you were talking about. Segwaying yeah, into um, the next topic. Segwaying into there. Yeah, what good is paranormal? Well, the traditional. Okay, actually, you know, you know what the traditional use of the paranormal is, and this goes back for thousands of years. And this is a side note before I get to the main. Yeah, yeah. Cheating at cards. No, no, no. No, prayer. If you think about what is prayer, prayer is telepathic communication with whatever you believe is God. Yes. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, most prayers are, quote, silent prayers. They're in your mind. And this has been used. I mean, there's so many people um, that, you know, they're the most rationalist people, whatever. They're skeptics. They're are, um, people that have are known to be like arch-skeptic debunkers, yet they, quote, believe in God. How do they talk to their God telepathically? Uh-huh. Am I making sense? Makes perfect if sense. You, 
for some people, that's the most practical. They may deny all paranormal phenomena otherwise, but they, they, they pray to God telepathically. Which is ironic, which is so ironic, Dr. Shock, because it is. it's happened to me in the past. I know it's happened to you. And again, I'm not going to bag on, on Christians or religion, but no, I've had no, people... I'm not no, I'm not either, uh, but I'm saying I, I've had people in the past, and when, I've, when I've, they found out the stuff that I'm interested in, the stuff that I do, uh, uh-huh. they're like, well, you need Jesus, God. You need Jesus in your life. You need to pray. You need to pray, Scott. <laughs> right, by right. saying that, Dr. Shock, your point your, your, that you just said, uh, they're doing the same stuff essentially that I'm doing. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, but, but getting to practical uses of the paranormal, uh-huh. um, there are three, uh, three that I would highlight off the top of my head, um, and really I think these are the three main ones. One goes way back to biblical times, and that is healing. Um, in our in the book Parapsychology Revolution, I've got um, an article that it's an original article um, donated by Larry Dossey. I don't know if you know who that is, but he's a um, MD, a physician, uh-huh. um, and he is uh, one of the foremost authorities on what's sometimes known as distance healing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, essentially, where you can call it what you want, you can call it. A, concentrating, focusing, praying, whatever. Um, but there have been numerous, numerous studies, you know, very rigorous scientific studies, um, what they call triple blind studies, etc., of having different groups of people. One group is prayed for. They don't know they're being prayed for. The people that are praying for them, um, you know, doing it long distance, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, completely controlling for it and um, very consistently and I use term pray very loosely. It could be people that think of themselves as psychic healers. It could be shamans, yeah. whatever. Um, but very consistently, there's a statistical difference between the groups of people that have some kind of we'll call it, um, you know, distance healing applied to them versus those that don't. And, of course, by conventional wisdom, conventional science, this should not be the case. Um, yet it works, and it works not with just humans, but they've even done controlled studies on, for instance, mice. That um, It's terrible to the poor mice, but they'll wound them purposefully and then see how quickly they'll heal, mm-hmm. um, whether they're being focused on or not. Um, so, I mean, and, yeah. and, you know, this, again, you know, you hear, have stories like that going back to biblical times. Um, not to... Uh, uh, not to... Um, uh, bring him up because I'm an advocate per se, but someone like Edgar Cayce. People have heard of Edgar Cayce. Um, he was very much into not so much direct healing, but bring, you know, diagnosing people from a distance paranormally. <laughs> and it's been demonstrated that um, you know, he was um, way beyond statistical um, uh, you know, the statistics, again, you know, he, he, he was hitting diagnoses that were correct on a regular basis that were way beyond questions statistically significant. Right, and, and I believe that. I, I, I am a bit of an advocate of uh, a bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not, I'm, I'm just saying I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not, don't belong to the Edgar Casey Foundation. Right, I know. <laughs> you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm, I'm trying to be objective about him, but the fact is that he was onto something. He was doing something that um, had him, you know, was significant. Well, and I had mentioned earlier one one of the first things that that they were flabbergasted with with that mesmerism, which is what exactly. later became that hypnosis. Was, th- was they did a was, what was it a surf or something? They had 
said, okay, you are going to go into under mesmerism and then you're going to tell us what's wrong with you. And oh, he exactly. diagnosed himself and couldn't have possibly known. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So again, this goes back to the 18th, 19th centuries where they were doing this consistently. Um, so the whole healing, and to me that makes sense as a natural scientist that um, what we call paranormal or parapsychological phenomena um, should have some benefit to the species, benefit to the organism mm-hmm. um, in, in healing, so healing makes perfect sense. Okay, healing then. So healing is one, one yeah. aspect. Sort of tied in with that is what I would call psychological therapeutic aspects of um the paranormal. Right. Um, a lot of people don't realize this because he didn't publish on it very heavily. In fact, he was advised not to um, be on the record about it, but Sigmund Freud. Everyone's heard of Sigmund Freud, oh, one yeah. of the great geniuses of the 20th century, whether you agree with him or disagree with him in his whole concept of psychoanalysis yeah. and whatnot. Um, but he became, um, by the end of his life, absolutely convinced, convinced that um, tell pathic transfer of information, for instance, was real. He and his associates and um, uh, psychoanalysts from certainly the 1920s on, and this is well documented, they found consistently that there was telepathic information being passed back and forth, particularly between a psychoanalyst, uh, the physician, um, and the patient. You know, because it would make sense in hindsight because they were in, you know, bonding often, you know, meeting repeatedly, et cetera. And there are numerous cases, and I have one in the book that I cite um, and explain in detail, but numerous cases where, for instance, um, uh, something would happen to the psychoanalyst, the, the one providing the care and treatment. Um, you know, some kind of, you know, something happened during their day or whatnot, um, their patient would have a dream that would reflect that, and their patient would come in the next day and be talking about what happened in the patient's dream, but it was cool. a reflection, you know, things like that. Um, wow. and And they were finding consistently that this was happening, um, you know, again, statistically, you know, you couldn't explain it away, and it seemed to have a mutual therapeutic benefit um, psychologically for both patient and um, practitioner in many cases. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that aspect. Then there's also another, what I would call therapeutic aspect, is um, tied up with what commonly is referred to as poltergeist instan- instances. Um, okay. Uh, because many poltergeist instances, at least in my belief, based on the data um, and analysis, and I have witnessed a minor poltergeist incident myself, um, you know, it's not discarnate spirits. It's not um, not literally ghosts from somewhere else, but usually what you have is a person in some kind of emotional, psychological turmoil um, who is working things out, acting things out, including paranormally. Um, So what seems to be the focus of the poltergeist Uh um, cases is in many cases not the focus, but in fact the instigator, if you would. Oh, uh, at an unconscious level, at an uh, unconscious or subconscious level, and there are a number of documented cases where um, someone who was open to the paranormal um, took a, a person that was having um, incredible trouble with poltergeist, we'll put it that way, into therapy, worked out their psychological problems therapeutically, 
and lo and behold, the poltergeist instances that were plaguing them subsided and eventually ended. Uh, Hollywood will not be happy to hear that. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, so I would, I would say that's another very practical aspect. And the thing is that that practical aspect can't be applied if the practitioner, if the person that's um, helping the patient, that isn't open to the paranormal and doesn't understand what's going on. Because on the other hand, um, if you look at some of the classic um, manuals to diagnose um, various kinds of mental disorders, literally in some cases, belief in um, telepathy or clairvoyance or a concept of a sixth sense, more or less even believing that such things could be real, much less claiming that you might experience them, mm -hmm. can be used to help diagnose you as having uh, a mental disorder. Wow, I mean, my literally. God. So I mean, it, it's it's you've got an insane to me a crazy situation which phenomena, if they were something else, the evidence is so overwhelming that there is some there is reality to them that they do occur once in a while. Yet someone who is having trouble psychologically, you know, maybe you know has problems in there, whatever. If they claim they've had paranormal experience, that can be used against them to medically um, by conventional you know by conventional psychologists and i'm glad that i'm not under somebody's no but seriously like, i was shocked when i learned that um, like, that was right in the, uh, the, the, the manuals that are still used to this day oh my God. Um, wow well, you know, well, uh, and, and, and it shows how poorly understood the paranormal is that you know it's it's put in the same category as um how should we say, total nonsense. Well, I have to say, we have a long way to go when it comes to the paranormal. But we yeah, have a we do. I wanted to yeah. mention the last one, just, and I can't oh, talk yeah. about Oh, yeah, warfare. go right ahead. No it's problem. used for warfare. Um, oh. The CIA has used remote viewing for warfare. Um, the Soviet Union apparently did a lot of work um, using the paranormal for warfare, um, especially remote viewing, you know, as yeah. a way to pick up intelligence. Um, we have a chapter, there's a, a section by um, Captain Bremseth, who was in the U.S. Navy. He was a SEAL, and he was um, uh, in uh, uh, reviews it, basically, the CIA use. And there's a lot of reports now just coming out from Eastern Europe that during the um, some of the uh, civil wars, I'll use that term, that occurred, um, just in the last 20 years, for instance, the breakup of Yugoslavia and Bosnia oh, yeah. and that yeah. type of thing, that they were applying what we would call paranormal techniques, paranormal, um, essentially, you know, they didn't hold back. They didn't, they used anything they could um, in fighting each other, including um, uh, application of parapsychology. My God. Wow. We yeah. could go on yeah. for days and days. <laughs> I know we could. Well, at least we have a good start now on... Well, um, I tell you what. Let me, let me ask you ...understanding yeah. of this book, The, the Parapsychology Revolution. Can we get you back on sometime down the road absolutely. in the near future? Excellent. Sure, okay. absolutely. It's always great. You're, I mean, I, I'll, be, I'll be frank here. I mean, we're on our seventh year of broadcasting this show, Dr. Shock, and you are in my top five of people Thank we've had you. all these years. I mean, I absolutely just absolutely. adore the work you've done, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Unfortunately, we have to take, we have to end the show, though. So don't leave. <laughs> stay right, right here. Yeah, stay stay right here, Dr. Shock. Don't leave. Minute. Um, okay. All right, great.
Fantastic. That was Dr. Robert Schock. Uh, yeah. the, the website Always a www.robertschock.com. Uh, Robert S-C-H-S-C-H.com. That, of course, is linked up yeah. at ghostlytalk.com. We have to thank him for coming. God, we yeah. have to oh, thank Glenn Kimball for coming over. on. That's kimballcollege.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, John Chiquetti. Our buddy John. You know, man. there's this, the- there's, uh, you know, Kimball College. I know that's like an online thing, but Kimball College. We've got uh, Dr. Robert Schock yeah, from this the College of General Studies at Boston University. We had John Chiquetti yeah, from, from, from a college yeah, yeah from from uh, Wesleyan uh, Ohio Real scholarly Wesleyan type of show we had yeah what, what happened here but, I, you, you know, know. I, I don't plan it like that it just happens well regardless I have to say uh, thank you so much everybody who yeah, listened and I hope we show. got something out of this uh, our website is of course www.ghostlytalk.com and thank you Scott L for setting all that up that scholarly thing and and, and Bonnie two words neti pot two neti more pot. words Get better. Yeah, get better. We miss you. We miss you, Bonnie. You gotta get back here and get back in the studio. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys later. This has been Ghostly Talk. I'm Scott L. And I'm Doug. We'll see you next week. Ghostly Talk. You have been listening to Ghostly Talk Paranormal Talk Radio. The Ghostly Talk audio program is distributed for free under the open content license. Please share with all your friends and support independent media. 